If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. The building is one that has a new concrete floor, and its doors and windows have all been blocked. Outside, there are new gas pipes. Even as we were filming, a black helicopter flew over us, observing what we were doing, which has happened many times when we have been at the facility. The gas lines and gas pipes at the facility run the length of the buildings and come out at some very, very large, brand-new furnaces that have been installed at the buildings throughout the facility. We found this crane, which has seen better days, but is plainly marked U.S. Army in the middle of the stockyard. We found other fully working military trucks and equipment here at other times. Inside the facility, we found large fenced-in areas next to the railroad tracks marked Green Zone and Blue Zone, suitable for holding a lot of people. Many of the old warehouse buildings have had new concrete floors put into them. Unused sections of railroad track have been dug up and replaced, and from the supplies in the stockyards, It is obvious they will be doing even more construction and fencing. Senator Lugar of Indiana recently obtained more federal funding to renovate this facility, which is supposedly only for the repair of broken trains and where most of the buildings on the property haven't been used for years. It certainly appears they are expecting more than just broken trains. This tower, overlooking the entire facility at one end of the facility along the railroad tracks, also has a radio antenna on it with a ladder up inside of it. It would make an excellent watchtower. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. AVR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. 
shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific.
right. Good afternoon, all. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It is Friday, June 17th, 2016, and it is about seven minutes after noon Pacific time. That's when it is where you're at. We are, in fact, live. 800-932-1980 is the call-in number. You can call in, get on the air right there. If you'd rather not, you can also participate by going to the chat room, which is located at our website, theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com. We got another uh, another URL because uh, it's funny how it came about. One of the hosts was mistaken in his idea that this was one of our websites, avrn one Dot com, and that's the number one, the numeral one, A-V-R-N, numeral one. And uh, I thought, huh, that'd be nice to have. I wonder if it's available. And it was, so I got it. So that's another way you can get to the website, A-V-R-N, numeral one, dot com. So uh, that's there. And uh, you can also, uh, well, I'm not even going to mention Yahoo because I got a, I got a, I got a uh, email from Yahoo saying, well, you know, you're, uh, you know, you need to upgrade to the website, you know, because your uh, your instant messenger is going to stop working. Well, my instant messenger only works half the time as it is already. So. Uh, Ah, uh, this weekend I'll probably look around for another solution. I'll let you all know what's out. You know, there's plenty of messengers out there. It's not like, oh, my gosh, uh, what will happen if the Yahoo goes stopped? Oh, oh no. Yeah, well, <laughs> big deal. There's plenty of others. It's not, it's not a real big deal. It's just I haven't had time to get around to it because it's just not a big deal. So uh, I'll do it this weekend when I'm doinking around here and uh, – I'll find another messenger, and I'll let you know what it all is and all that. So, uh, you know, not that that many people. I mean, there's a few people. There's maybe, I don't know, <laughs> ten people that contact me through Yahoo Instant Messenger. You know, and every once in a while there's a new person, and then it'd be 11. And then, but it's real, it, it's small, and it's, uh, it, it you know, it doesn't grow much. But we'll, we'll figure something out. Anyway. Uh, ah, the picture page, yes. And now right after the show, I got a big dump of new pictures I'm going to put on there So uh, that I've been collecting over the last couple of days. Uh, and, you know, I meant to put them on there last night, but I didn't, so they're not. But they will be after the show. Anyway, let's get to... Uh, now, I am going to carry on from where I left off, but first I want to go through a couple of things. Somebody in the chat room pointed out a story that I had been aware of, but I, I didn't bring it up because it, I don't know, it's not that, it's not, <laughs> you got to understand where I live. It's not that huge of a deal here. I mean, it made, you know, big, you know, news, okay? The Guardian picked it up, okay? <laughs> you know, so it, it went kind of viral, but it's not that big of a deal around here, and it happens, it happens, and not this particular thing happens, but where I live, people, people see somebody breaking a law and, and running off and stuff, they stop them. Uh, this is why we live in an area where the savages haven't gotten too out of hand yet, because when they do, 
the people slap them down and say, no, uh-uh, 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 can't have this. See, you're gonna not, you're not gonna be able to do this. This is the second incident at this Walmart that I am aware of since they built it, which wasn't that long ago. But our Walmart in Eagle Point, and uh, yeah, I'm looking at the picture here, and I'm very familiar with this this Walmart. I mean, I uh, I go there from time to time. It's not my primary Walmart because Eagle Point, even though that's my address, is like the opposite direction of everything else. So I only go there when I have to go to the post office. Uh, but here's a picture of a guy on horseback with a rope around some guy's ankles who's hanging onto a tree. Well, what happened was he, uh, well, I'll just read it to you. An attempted bicycle theft in a Walmart parking lot was foiled by a cattle rancher on horseback who chased the thief down and lassoed him until the local police in southern Oregon could arrive. The bicycle was stolen from the bike rack outside of Walmart in Eagle Point, a town about 170 miles south of Eugene, Oregon, at around 10 a.m. Friday morning. The woman who owned the bike and several others gave chase on foot but were unable to catch him. Then a rancher named Robert Borba brought his horse out of his trailer, mounted up, and chased the thief down, according to Chris Adams, an officer with the Eagle Point Police who responded to the 9-11 call uh, about the theft. When we arrived, there was a large crowd standing around a younger gentleman who was on the ground with the rope around his ankle hanging onto a tree, uh, Adams said. Victorino Alareno Sanchez was arrested and charged with theft, the police said. The uh, the rancher said, I've seen this fella trying to get up to speed on a bicycle, Borba told the Medford Mail Tribune. I wasn't going to catch him on foot. I just don't run very fast, he added. I use a rope every day. That's how I make my living. If it catches cattle pretty good, it catches a bandit pretty good. Not a lot is known about Borba. Because he is new in town, Adams said, but it appears he will be a good fit. Eagle Point is a small city, and people watch out for each other. That's exactly what he did. See, the police here, too, uh, you take down a thief, a robber, a rapist, uh, you know, uh, an assaulter, whatever, uh, you're not in a whole lot of trouble around here. Matter of fact, people kind of thank you and say, hey, good job. And you know what, folks? This is the kind of thing that you need to start getting in your head and start going down and talking to your police and say, listen, man, uh, I want you to understand. Somebody tries to rob somebody that I see, I'm taking him down. I'm taking him down to the ground. I'm turning him to dust if he resists. You understand that? And I don't expect no grief out of you either. Because you know what? That's your job, but you ain't here to do it, so we're doing it for you. You come and clean up the mess and keep your mouth shut. And that's that. That's a good role for the police. That's why, you know, we, like I say, you know, we here in Southern Oregon, there's a, uh, you know, uh, I wouldn't say huge, but it's uh, it's certainly respectable. Uh, amount of, of Mexican community down here. But we don't have any trouble with, with with 
generally speaking, we don't have any trouble with Mexicans down here. They live here. We live here. We all just, try, you know, get along. That doesn't mean we barbecue together, but you know what? It's a peaceful existence because there's a respect. You step out of line and, hey, you're going to get hammered. See, this is the thing that people have lost in this country, even with child rearing. Oh, you can't touch the little darlings. You can't even yell at the little darlings. You can't even say anything derogatory to the little darlings because you'll damage their self-esteem. Let me tell you something. I remember being a kid. I don't know what's wrong with the rest of you. You lost your memories or what? You got amnesia about being a kid? You don't remember that if it wasn't for the threat and the sometimes carried out whooping you got, that you would have been an absolute, complete little animal out of control? Don't you remember that? Oh, I better at least be careful not to get caught or else I'm going to get a whooping. Oops, I got caught. Uh Uh-oh, here comes that whooping. No, not anymore. Now no whoopings, and look what's happening. Oh, I don't want to hear anything that uh, I'm a snowflake, and anything that you say that bothers me, I gotta, I gotta, uh, I gotta cry. I gotta take, I gotta take a time out. I have to have you arrested because you said something that 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 hurt my feelings, or just something that I don't want to hear. Oh yeah, well, gee. And it's not just the kids, folks, okay? We have people that are 40, 50 years old pulling the same crap because they're so wound up in the psychobabble BS that, oh, you know, oh, this is how it ought to be. This is how you ought to be. This is how it ought to be. Uh, Everything ought to be wonderful and happy. And if it isn't, I'm upset. I'm all butthurt. Man, you're not going to fare very well. You're not faring very well right now. Just think when things go bad. <laughs> God. Hey, you know the saying, wouldn't want to be ya. Yeah, well, that comes to mind for me. Now, here is something. I've been hammering on this guy, and I don't know, nobody, you know, I mean, I don't know when everybody's going to realize and start going, holy smokes, we got, this guy isn't, he, he, he's obviously... A Democrat. And I'm talking about Paul Ryan. You know, the Speaker of the House who's married to a Democrat millionaire, a Democrat, not just a Democrat, he's married to a super Democrat. That's right, a Democratic lobbyist. Yeah, that's who Paul Ryan sleeps with, a Democratic lobbyist. Oh, but he's a Republican. Sure he is. You know what he says now? About if if Trump gets to be president and he bans Muslim entry into the United States, Paul Ryan says that he will sue the president. Now listen to this. I would sue any president that exceeds his or her powers. What? Wait a minute. Did I miss some lawsuit that Paul Ryan has filed against Barack Obama? 
Really? I would sue any president that exceeds his or her powers? You, you mean Paul Ryan thinks that banning savage Muslims from the United States whose religion that they have sworn to uphold says that they have to kill everybody that doesn't go along with their religion? That it's okay for them to lie to people, to infiltrate, so they can kill you from within? He's going to sue the president for banning them, but he's not suing the president for telling executive agencies that, oh, you don't have to. As a matter of fact, not just you don't have to. I am ordering you not to uphold the immigration laws as written by Congress and passed by the by both houses and signed by presidents. No, I'm telling you, you will not uphold that law. And Paul Ryan doesn't see that as an exceeding of his powers? Really? So he's going to sue the Republican president and let the Obama president just kind of float on by, right? Wow. This guy needs to be uh, out. I hope you people in Wisconsin, because he is a representative, he will be up for election in Wisconsin. If you reelect this piece of garbage, you are a bunch of idiots. If I got to be president, man, and I'll tell you what, really, if I was Trump and I got to be president, you people in Wisconsin reelected Ryan, I would punish your state. I would take away all your federal funding. I would just let you wither on the vine until you got rid of him. He is not a Republican, folks. This guy is a fraud. This And, hey, you know what? Don't blame the Democrats. They're just being, they're playing the game 100%. You conservatives out there are the bunch of idiots that let this happen. Okay, you get a slickster like Paul Ryan married to a Democratic lobbyist. Doesn't that tell you anything? Don't you married guys out there know anything? Don't you figure it out? Gee, oh no, your wife doesn't have any influence over you, does she? No, because you're a real tough guy, man, aren't you? Oh, bull, you know what? You got the ring in your nose and you're led around like a like a sheep. Oh, you might not know it, but you're being manipulated all the time because that's what women do. And I don't blame women for that. I mean, really, I don't blame women for that. Here you got a guy, right? Twice your size, twice your strength, all right? Thinks totally different than you. How are you going to manage somebody like that? I mean, really. You have to manipulate them, all right? So I'm not saying this in a derogatory way. I'm just recognizing this is the relationship between men and women. Men yell and scream and demand they do things, everybody does things their way, and uh, they'll fight about it if, they, if it doesn't. Women have to manipulate people into doing what they want because they're just not big and strong enough to force their will on others. So they have to manipulate people. That's just the way it is, folks. It's not good or bad or, or, or whatever. It is just the way it is. And if you think, well, that, that'd be sexist. You can't say that. Oh, okay, then I guess reality can't be reality, huh? 
You see, this is what the problem is. We all get these little ideas in our head that, oh, well, that isn't fair. That isn't right. That's mean. You can't say that. That's sexist or racist or bigoted or something. Well, oh, oh, well, it's the truth. And if you deny the truth because you don't like it, you're going to be in a world of hurt because the truth doesn't really care whether you believe it or not. It just is. So don't tell me Paul Ryan is a Republican married to a Democratic Party lobbyist. How does that even happen? How can you even be in the... Listen, you ever talk to a Democrat? I mean, I, I mean, really. I talk to Democrats and pretty much... Their views of the world are diametrically opposed to mine. In an uncivilized world, we would be at war in a heartbeat. There'd be bloodshed. But we do live in a civilized world. So, you know, they, they, they rattle on and I just shake my head and walk away and hope I never ever have to speak to them again. How, how do you end up marrying somebody like that huh I, I, well you don't he's a fraud he's a liar he's just sitting up there telling everybody he's a republican when really he's a democratic infiltrator and you know like i said just like you can't blame women for manipulating men because it's it's the only it's the only thing they can do it's just the way it is The Democrats are smart enough to realize, hey, look, you know what? We cannot beat the the conservatives straight up in a factual argument, head to head. They never can. They never will because they're wrong about almost everything. So what they do is they infiltrate the Republican Party. They get people that are actually Democrats, that are actually globalists, that actually you know, go by what they want, and then they say, well, I'm a Republican, and I want, uh, I want, uh, you know, we have business, yay business, yay war, yay, 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 all the Republican things, go, hey, I got myself wrapped up in the flag here, everybody goes, oh, look at that wonderful Republican there, and oh, man, and he's a handsome young man, and he's a Republican, and yeah, let's vote him in there, and then it turns out, what? You're going to let Obama, the Democratic president, break the law and tell all the agencies they don't have to, that they are forbidden from upholding the law. And then you say you're going to sue the Republican president if he bans Muslims? (laughs) Okay, I don't know what else does this guy have to do to show that he is actually a Democrat. Anyway, let's get to uh, back where we were here. Where I left off was water, okay? Water. Everybody realizes that there's a problem with the water supply in the United States, and it's not just the municipal water systems. See, that's the sad thing. It's not just the municipal water systems. Now, they're a big problem. But well water, 
is also in danger in many, many places in the United States. Uh, surface water, like out of rivers and stuff, well, don't even get me started on that. Are you kidding me? But uh, let's go through some details here of what's in the water. Uh, okay, chlorine. Most municipal water in the United States, I, I think all probably, is treated with one form of chlorine or another. This removes disease-causing bacteria. Actually, it doesn't remove disease-causing bacteria. It kills it, okay? The bacteria, the dead bodies of the bacteria, is still in the water. It just killed it. It doesn't remove it, which is great. Well, it's great as long as you let the chlorine off-gas out of your water. Medford, Oregon does not fluoridate its water, but it does chlorinate it. And in the summer times, it chlorinates it more heavily than it does in the winter. And when I go to a restaurant and they put water down in the summertime, you can smell the chlorine in your water when they first bring it to you. But if you let it sit there for a little while, that goes away, and uh, that's because the chlorine off-gasses out of your water. So, you know, I mean, if you've got to drink chlorinated water, uh, don't, do not just pour it out of the tap and drink it down. Pour it out of the tap, let it sit there for a while. I don't know, five, ten minutes, let it sit there. Let it off-gas. And then, you know, you'll be a lot better off. I'm not saying that it's, it's, it's a good thing, but it's better than drinking it straight out of the tap because that chlorine is still all in it. Chlorine also creates numerous toxic byproducts like chloroform and trihalomethanes. Oh, I don't even know what that is. According to Dr. Michael J. Plewa, a genetic toxicology expert at the University of Illinois, chlorinated water is carcinogenic. Individuals who consume chlorinated drinking water have an elevated risk of cancer of the bladder, stomach, pancreas, kidney, and rectum, as well as Hodgkin's and non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Now, that's not nice. Ammonia. To undo some of the carcinogenic effects of the added chlorine, some facilities are also adding ammonia to the chlorinated water. Yes, this is going to help me, right? This creates chloraminated water. Anyone who's ever cleaned a house knows that mixing bleach and ammonia is a no-no. Try it sometime, folks. Oh, well, but... Make sure you got your gas mask on because it produces a toxic gas. So, yeah, as a kid, I like to experiment with household uh, things that I found around. And uh, another thing is ivory soap, and I think it's bleach. Don't do that either. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so why are these facilities doing it? Unfortunately, it creates a brand new variety of toxins. Fish and reptiles die when subjected to chlorinated water. And the effects on humans are just now being studied. Ah, we don't care. We'll just put it in there, and uh, we'll see what happens later. Folks, you're being experimented on. Okay? 
You're a lab rat. A guinea pig. An animal. Oh, but you knew that already, right? You already have listened and looked it up and saw that, no, nobody's lying here about the government writing into law that you are an animal, right? To make a bad situation even worse, chlorinated water reacts with the lead in water pipes, releasing yet another toxin into the public water system. In Washington, D.C., when chlorinated chlorination of the water first began, lead levels were found to be 4,800 times the UN's acceptable level for toxic heavy metals. Oh, boy. They just, you know, okay, chlorine is not killing you people fast enough. Let's put some ammonia in there and tell you, oh, this is good. This will be better. This, this makes the chlorine less poisonous, less carcinogenic. Sure it does. We'll take a break. We'll be back in a bit.
satisfied. properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. AVR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. 
Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific.
whose side are you on? Are you on the people's side or are you on somebody else's side? If you're not on the people's side, get the hell out and go find somewhere else to live, too. Because you know what? If we find out where you're at, we might come a-calling, you piece of garbage traitor. And that's what Paul Ryan really is. He's a traitor, a deceiver, and a betrayer. There is nothing I hate worse. Look, I don't look, I can have an enemy and I can fight my enemy and I can even kill my enemy. But I don't have to hate my enemy to do that. They're just my enemy. They have to be killed. They have to be defeated. They have to be, you know, whatever. Whatever it is, man. It's like whether you're playing sports or fighting in a war. You have your enemy, which is your opposing team. And anybody out there who thinks, well, gosh, that's not right. You know, I mean, it's just a game. It's just a sport. They're not really your enemy. Then you're a loser because they are your enemy. And you better look at it that way or you're just going to be a loser. That's all. But you don't have to hate them. Okay? You might disagree with the way they do things, but you don't have to hate your enemy. You can hate your enemy if you want, but you don't have to for them to be your enemy. But when you have somebody close to you who pretends to be on your side and then betrays you, there is nothing more despicable than that. And they need to be given no quarter whatsoever at all. And that's Paul Ryan. And you know what? Paul Ryan's not the only one. I mean, they've come up with a whole name for it, rhinos. Yet, how? okay, so the American people apparently uh, discovered that there is such a thing as Republican in name only, meaning they're actually a Democrat that has infiltrated the Republican Party. Uh, okay, so we discover that. We come up with a name for it and everything, and yet the Congress is still full of them. Why is that? What is wrong with you? Look, that's not their fault anymore. Sure, once they were deceiving you and you didn't know, that's their fault. But once you find out and you keep them there, that's not their fault anymore. That's your fault. That's like the old saying, look, fool me once, shame on you. You know, because you're a liar and you fooled me and that ain't right, shame on you. But you fool me twice, shame on me because I'm an idiot that just won't learn. People don't just come up with these sayings, oh, because, oh, man, that's, got, that's catchy. Oh, yeah, that'll... Hey, a lot of things are catchy that nobody ever repeats. But then there's things that get repeated throughout time... Because they're just a truism. Anyway. Oh, let's get back to our... Well, let's... let's. Okay, look. I'm just going to... Uh, you know... Uh, touch on this because it's Friday. And we'll get back to the water in a minute. And, and it's not just water, okay? We're just not done with water yet. Now, uh, Roger Stone, I don't know who he is, actually. I'm sure we'll find out. 
but he has he says Uma Abedin is most likely a Saudi spy. Well, duh. I mean, you know, really? You think? Gee, uh, how long has that taken everybody to speak it out loud? This, this, I'm telling you, man. Well, I can't make this work because, you know, this is, uh, let me tell you one of the worst sites out here that I know a lot of you like. And I, I, I tend to like it myself, but I, I, I just, it's Breitbart. This, this site is so infested with crap that, you know, it takes so long to load. And then, you know, once it kind of does, it won't move, it won't do anything, and ads keep popping up because, oh, boy, that's the most important thing for you to know is to have all these ads because Breitbart's got to get paid, you know. Long-time political operative Roger Stone, I guess, okay, so that's who he is, political operative, hmm, told Breitbart News uh, uh, that Hillary Clinton's confidant, uh, Yuma Abaddon, most of the experts I've spoken to conclude looking at the various facts regarding her, her rise, where she came from, her family background, her various connections, conclude that she is most likely a Saudi spy, which is my own conclusion. Stone also discusses the clear, deep, inarguable, indisputable connections between Uma Abadan and the Saudi Arabian official named Abdullah Omar Nassif, one of the founders of the Muslim World League. The Muslim World League is directly tied to Rabita Trust, a specially designed global terrorist entity. Nasif, the Muslim World uh, League, and the government of Pakistan created the Rabita Trust in 1988. Nasif was a sponsor and financial supporter of Saeed Abedin's IMMA. Just a month after 9-11, jihadist attack left thousands dead and brought down the World Trade Center. Ah, sure. President George Bush executive order designated the Rabita Trust as a specially designed global terrorist entity, and the Treasury Department froze its assets on October 12, 2001. Nassif founded the Rabita Trust and remains involved with it to this day. A Treasury Department press release issued when the Rabita Trust assets were frozen indicated that Rabita Trust is headed by Wail Hamazad Jaladan one of the founders of al-Qaeda with bin Laden. He was the logistics chief of bin Laden's organization and fought on the bin Laden side in Afghanistan. That would be against the Russians. Uh, Jaladan himself was branded a specially designated global terrorist entity by the United States Treasury Department, and his assets have been frozen as well. Stone also contended that much of what the Clintons have done via their foundation is treason. They have taken money from the Chinese, the Russians, and the Saudis, and they've sold our country secrets. They sold our country's decisions. Well, duh. Okay, folks, you know, okay, so an expert says it. So there you go, folks. I mean, really. Uh, did an expert really need to say it before you believed it? Well, if, if so, now he said it, so now you can believe it. Now it's time to do something about it. Let's see here. The page that I was on. Oh, well, no. <laughs> well, that one popped up. Headline on uh, Drudge. 
Obama imports one million Muslims since he became president. Isn't that a banner day? Anyway, how about fluoride in the water? Now, I know some of you don't have fluoride in your water. Uh, those of you on wells or rainwater or, uh, you know, you buy, well, if you buy bottled water, you better be real careful about what bottled water you're buying. Uh, honestly, folks, I would only buy distilled, and then you still have to believe that the, it actually is distilled. All right. The exact same fluoride added to the water supply and treatment facility, sodium fluoride, is sold under a different label as a pesticide. That's right, bug killer. The consumption of fluoride lowers IQs, causes infertility, and has been linked to cancer and causes hardening of the arteries. In fact, one study published in the January edition of the journal Nuclear Medicine Communications, the research highlights the fact that mass fluoride exposure may be to blame for the cardiovascular disease epidemic that takes more lives each year than cancer. So, you you know what? All these things, oh, cancer's exploding. Uh, heart disease is exploding. Diabetes is exploding. And it's all just one big coincidence. Oh, we don't know, have any idea why. Well, it's because they're poisoning us. In 2008, Cardiovascular killed 17 million people. Hello? 17 million people? What? According to the authors of the study, the coronary fluoride uptake value in patients with cardiovascular events was significantly higher than in patients without cardiovascular events. That means heart attacks and strokes, cardiovascular events, all right? It's also important to note that the inclusion of fluoride in drinking water has no discernible positive effect on dental health. In fact, it can cause dental fluorosis, a visible overexposure to fluoride resulting in subtle white flecks in the tooth enamel all the way to a pronounced brown staining. So, oh, there's no, there is no positive effect. So why exactly are you doing it? Oh, lowers IQ? Creates infertility, causes heart attacks and strokes to the tune of 17 million a year? Uh, well, hey, what could be wrong with that? But it's all just a big coincidence, folks. Nothing to see here. Don't worry about anything, okay? The government's here to help you. Remember that. The grocery store is little more than a gauntlet. Health claims that have been substantiated by the FDA are complete fallacy. Whole organic foods cost more than quadruple the price of conventionally grown foods. Processed foods are promoted over ingredients. Some of the most common poisons at the grocery store are either unlabeled or deceptively labeled. GMOs. It's nearly impossible to shop without adding some genetically modified food into your cart. Almost every item that is processed contains corn. For example, up to 85% of corn grown in the United States is genetically modified. GMOs bear a high price tag for your health, however, despite corporate claims to the contrary. Just a few of the results of GMO diet, based on a peer-reviewed study, are grotesque tumors, premature death, organ failure, gastric lesions, liver damage, kidney damage, severe allergies, allergic reactions, a viral gene that disrupts human functions. You can read more, okay? How about artificial sweeteners? 
Artificial sweeteners are deadly. Splenda, for example, is the trademark name for sucralose, an artificial chlorinated sweetener that is formed when the hydroxyl groups in the sugar molecule are replaced with chlorine molecules. According to Dr. James Turner, the chairman of the National Consumer Education Group, Citizens for Health and Animals, examined for the study. Splenda reduced the amount of good bacteria in the intestines by 50%, increased the pH level in the intestines, contributed to the increases in body weight, and affected P. glycoprotein levels in such a way that crucial health-related drugs could be rejected. The sweetener has been linked to gastrointestinal problems, migraine, seizures, dizziness, blurred vision, allergic reactions, blood sugar increases, and weight gain. Shockingly, there is something even worse. It's called aspartame. The deadly excitotoxin literally stimulates your brain cells until they die. If that, does, if that isn't enough to convince you to ditch the diet cola, it also is known carcinogen that breaks down into formaldehyde in the human body. In fact, there are 92 documented negative health effects linked to the consumption of aspartame. So drink up, folks. How about pesticides? Even the hijacked the Environmental Protection Agency has to admit that the ingestion of pesticides can cause health problems. Well, there's, there, wow, really? The ingestion of pesticides can cause health problems. Wow, thanks a lot, EPA. Man, I'm sure glad they're there, huh? Who would have figured that out without them? They warn of the risk of birth defects, nerve damage, cancer, and other effects that might occur over a long period of time. Keep in mind, however, that despite this warming, the EPA just raised the acceptable limit of glyphosate at the behest of Monsanto. That's right. All these stories coming about out about how bad glyphosate is, what does the EPA do? They raise the acceptable limits. Wow. Uh, how about growth hormones? Our meat and dairy supplies are not safe either. Livestock and dairy cattle are injected with genetically modified growth hormones. Tainting the milk produced or the meat that is butchered. Increasing cancer risk. Milk from cows injected with genetically modified growth hormones contains up to 10 times the amount of insulin growth factor. The growth factor has been shown to cause breast, prostate, and colon cancer. When humans consume this milk, it puts them at risk for these cancers. This is not the only danger to reproductive health. Rats fed genetically modified potatoes grew smaller brains, smaller testicles, and smaller livers. And male rats fed only genetically modified soy had their testicles changed from the normal pink to dark blue. Pharmaceuticals. The problems do not end at the grocery store. You're taking your life in your own hands consuming medications that are assured, that are not only safe, but, oh, they're beneficial to you. Sure, trust your doctor, right? How about vaccinations? The major difference between the current decade and the 1970s is the escalated vaccine schedules of, uh, that are encouraged. Browbeaten and, and gooted uh, to provide to our children. 
Dr. Russell Blaylock wrote, 1976, children received 10 vaccines before attending school. Today, they will receive 36 injections. The American Academy of Pediatrics and the Center for Disease Control assured patients that it was safe to not only give these vaccines, but they could be given at one time with complete safety. Yeah, sure, 36 injections. What kind of an idiot thinks that that could ever be safe for a kid? For, or for anybody, for that matter, 36 injections? <laughs> really? Much has been written about the risk of autism with these vaccines, but it's important to note that many of them also contain mercury, and that is a known carcinogen. It's not only children who are targeted by vaccine companies. Workplaces across the country are beginning to mandate an annual flu shot as a requirement of employment. That is to say that each year you are encouraged to have injected into yourself the following toxins. Ethylglycol, which is antifreeze. Phenol, also known as carbolic acid. Uh, this is used as a disinfectant and a dye. Formaldehyde, a known cancer-causing agent. Aluminum, which is associated with Alzheimer's disease and seizures and also cancer-producing in laboratory mice. Thimerosal, a mercury disinfectant slash preservative, can result in brain injury and autoimmune disease. Neomycin and streptomycin used as antibiotics have caused allergic reaction in some people. Plus, you know, it's a little bit of an overuse of antibiotics, which uh, we see what's happening, creating superbugs and such. Well, there you have it, folks. And there's more, but I'm out of time, so I got to go. I'll be back again Monday. This show will be replayed at 8 p.m. this evening. And uh, as always, thanks for listening. Stay tuned for Financial Survival coming up next. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188 That's 800-375-4188 Protect yourself and your family.
afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Melody Cedarstrom, and you're listening to Financial Survival. I'm here with my co-host, Alfred Addis, to bring you our opinion and commentary on today's economic and political events. And today is Monday, June 20th, 2016. Good afternoon, Al. Hi, Melody. Full moon tonight, summer solstice, first day of summer. Well, that means to get the silver bullets. I heard it's a strawberry moon. Carla told me it's a strawberry moon this evening. Or there will be a pinkish hue to the moon. So. <clears throat> that means the werewolves will be. Perhaps. will have a pinkish cast. There's plenty of werewolves out there in the financial markets, that's mm-hmm. for sure. So, uh, folks, be careful out there. And, uh, uh, gold had a nice uh, reversal today that they lamb blasted it first thing this morning. Um, had a low at 1278 and came back to 1292. So a nice return for gold. Silver, um, so gold is down 710 at 1292. I'm sorry, folks, 1292. I got all excited. Down 710, $1,292. Make that a little more clear. Silver, up two cents at 1759. Also saw a huge reversal in silver as we had a low of 1726. Now looking at 1759. Platinum was up 17 at 990. Palladium was up 14 at 551. The USDX today is trading weaker, 0.48 at 93.66. And crude oil was up another buck 24 at 49.22. And um, you know, all the, the polls and um, what's going on with the Brexit is uh, they, they think uh, now it's uh, sort of changed course. And uh, it looks as though Brexit will stay, but um, we'll see uh, as we come up on June 23rd. The um, markets today, Dow was up almost 300 points. That also had a reversal, but it was still positive for the day, 129 points at 17,804. The NASDAQ was up 36 at 48.37, and the S&P was up 12 at 2,083. 10-year yield up 0.05 at 1.67%, and euro stronger at 1.13. And uh, with all the news that... Uh, it looks like they're going to remain in the union. Hey, don't let the voters vote. Tell them first that you know we're going to stay, just like they did in California for the primaries when the L.A. Times came out the night before and said, hey, we know who won. Here's, here's your winners for tomorrow's primaries. And so it was pretty much they're announcing the winners before they even go to vote. Same thing's happening over in England. We're telling you that England's going to stay regardless of what the voters do tomorrow. And uh, Germany was up 3.5%. London was up 3 So what is nice is that we saw gold um, recapture its losses today. We, it was nice to see it come back uh, to the degree that it did uh, based on uh, the gains that uh, you know the European markets and our markets had. So good day for gold, even though it's still down seven bucks. So that's what we like to see. I can tell you one of the things that I have absolutely no evidence to support the suspicion, but I can't help but wonder if the Brexit election isn't being rigged. And the reason I say that, we had polls 
coming in that indicated that the people in favor of leaving the Eurozone, Britain bailing out of the Eurozone, they had a 10, 11, maybe 15-point lead on the people who wanted to uh, stay. And that was as of just a week ago. And the momentum was in favor of bailing out. And then one member of parliament was shot and killed who favored staying with Europe. And the next thing you know, everything is just changing and reversing. And I'm wondering what's going on in the European or in the English uh, collective mind over there. One politician gets shot and they allegedly just reverse. They have been increasing the momentum in favor of leaving the Eurozone. And next thing you know, one guy gets shot, and the next thing you know, bang, the whole thing reverses. And that doesn't that doesn't that does not compute for me. It may be the truth of the matter, but it does not compute. That is not sufficient reason for everyone to abandon their preference for leaving not everyone, but for the for a substantial percentage of the people who wanted to abandon the Eurozone, it's not sufficient reason for them to say, oh, gee, you know, I'm, I'm feeling sentimental and I've decided because so-and-so died, I'm going to vote to stay with the Eurozone. It does not make sense to me. It's the kind of thing that makes me wonder if the election isn't rigged and they just shot this guy as an excuse, a pretext, a pretense. This guy's dead, and oh my gosh, we just got another survey, and the people have changed their minds about leaving, about leaving uh, the Eurozone. Well, maybe that's the truth of the matter, but I'll tell you, it sure looks suspicious to me. It's the sort of thing that looks like, I mean, half the people in this country still don't believe that the, that the 9-11 attack back in 2001 was caused by, by Muslims. They think it was an inside job caused by the caused by the government um well, it's, it's not impossible and it is just it is irrational to me i it just it doesn't make sense to me it's pretty easy to sway public opinion in today's world with the type of reporting that's done with your mainstream medias uh, with your new papers online heck if you go online and try to research anything <clears throat> you come out of there you know not knowing what you believe unless you have very strong beliefs going in. So, yeah. you know, it's, um, well, you it's can find evidence to, to prove public anything. opinion, whether, whether she was sacrificed or not. I don't know. But one thing I did find out about that story, and it's so true. And it's very sad. It's sad that we get to a place, not only there, but in this country where it goes from one extreme to the next. We have one extreme where everybody is just sitting around, sitting around fat and happy. And then the next minute, you know, you, you want to voice your opinion through violence. And, you know, there's nothing in between. Nobody, nobody fights and argues and votes properly along the way or gets involved. You wait until, you know, the, the really bad stuff happened. And, um, you know, and that's what we say all the time. You got to continue to educate yourself, try to educate other people. You got to get involved locally, uh, see what you can do in your local towns. And, and it's tough. It's not easy. And not, not everyone is designed that way. I get that. But, uh, um, you know, to hand out literature when you can and so forth. And it gets discouraging because nobody wants to hear from you anyway, because they think you're fruitcake. 
That's you know, not trying exactly to understand. True. But some people do. And even oh, if one person, even if one person becomes to understand while you're trying to educate folks, and people don't want to be preached to. You know, that's why I say buy them a book, get them a newsletter. They don't want to be preached to, particularly by a family member, if you're trying to help someone in your family. But, you know, usually if you give them reading material, decent reading material, you know, they, they'll read it and they can come and then they, you know, you, peak, you plant the seed and let that seed grow. And um, so it's not easy. It's not an easy job doing this for over 20 some years. And uh, the, the, the same complaints, the same arguments. Uh, is how you know how we change things, but um, but it's pretty easy to sway public opinion. Yeah, it is. World. But at the same time, there's something else strange that happens, and I noticed this back 20 years ago. Lived in Carrollton, Texas at the time. Came out of my home and walked out to the front to get the mail, or maybe the car was parked out there. I don't remember. But they were putting in a new water line right in front of the house. And there were a couple of guys, I think they were putting it in front of the whole, for the whole street. A couple of guys there digging ditches, right? working down the ditch. And they got dirt on their clothes and the rest of that sort of thing, blue-collar workers. And I talked to them briefly, and at the time I was publishing a little magazine called The Anti-Shyster, which tried to raise, which is seriously critical of the government. I walk out, and here's these two guys digging the ditches down there. And one thing leads to another, and I, yeah, I mean, Alfred Addis, I published the magazine called The Anti-Shyster. And these guys say, you published The Anti-Shyster? So, yeah, I published. And he says, yeah, I love that thing. You know, and both of them, you would not have thought that they'd ever even heard of the magazine, let alone read it and enjoy it. What I'm trying to get to is while the details of what's going on from day to day, you can sway people's opinion of the details, but there is an undercurrent for some people who have just taken up positions that even they're not informed on the specifics, they have a general perspective, and they say, this is what I think is going on in this country. And in a sense, those two guys kind of illustrated that fact to me, and I still see sign of that. I think there's a lot more people who agree with what we're talking about than many people would suppose. They just don't say much about it themselves. They're sympathetic to the ideas, but they don't have time to study all the details. And they just have a general, uh, you know, they have a general opinion that, yeah, that's, I think this is what the truth of the matter is. It's not about just knowing it, and, and you know, and it's about getting involved that's that takes a different person it's another design and i don't want to spend the whole 20 minutes talking about this there's other things to talk about it's actually a good topic because when you talk uh, about getting involved you know i was in a situation at a group here in dallas called citizens for legal reform we had an instance one time i was ahead of that group i was the one who was masterminding the group and the rest of that sort of thing we had an instance on one occasion early on where a couple of people in the group decided they needed to get rid of me And I defended myself as best I could against two or three of them that were coming at me out of the audience. And I was being pushed back, psychologically at least. And then one man, Lewis, can't even think of his last name. This would be 25 years ago, thereabouts. Daniels. Lewis Daniels. He stood up and he said, hey, wait a second. And he sided with me. 
And as soon as he did that, and Lewis was a great guy, all right? He was really close to being a great man. He had great courage and integrity. He was well-respected, had a lot of strength. He stood up and said, wait a second. And he came out in my favor. And it just completely turned the tide. And next thing you know, if that hadn't, and if that hadn't happened, I might have been bounced out of that group. The point to this story is that one man can make a significant difference if he's willing to stand up. The problem most people have is we are so intimidated by the idea of speaking in public that we are scared to death to do it. Scared to death to even clap our hands when someone else is saying something that we agree with if it's a little politically correct. We don't know. I don't know. Better, better just keep a low profile. Don't say anything. You know. Keep quiet. Nobody will, no one will point a finger at you. And the truth of the matter is you've got to stand up. You don't have to scream. You don't have to shout. You don't have to shoot. You don't have to bomb. But you do have to speak at the right time. Huh? And it's one of these things. You can make a difference more than you can imagine. If you're willing to stand up sometimes in an audience where everybody... Or it seems the only the only the only opinions that are being expressed are contrary to your position. But if you can stand up and if you can articulate your position, you might be surprised. Other people see and they say, "Yeah, yeah, that's what I think. I think that too." Next thing you know, you get a round of applause. You've got to try. You got to stand up. Right? So this we are not we're not losing this country because we're being overpowered. We're being, if we're losing it at all, we're losing it because we lack the courage to simply stand up and speak out and say, no, this is a bunch of BS and I'm not going to cooperate with you. And if we won't do that, we are in great peril. If we will do it, we can take this whole country back. We are the 800-pound gorilla. We can sit wherever we want. All right, it's just that we generally want to sit on the couch eat potato chips and watch TV, and that's not, a best, that's not our best choice. But we are capable of finding another place to sit, another place to speak, another place to make a difference. So, blah, blah, blah. Now, can I, can I, can I get an amen, Melody? Uh-huh. That was... You didn't uh, want any preaching? No, I'm being nice today, Al. You didn't want any preaching? Yeah, about, I know. If I would have said preached, you wouldn't have. You would have done the opposite of what I did. Anyway, here's something interesting. This is the nine of the 15 manufacturing hubs that Obama wants to set up across the country. Uh, He selected Los Angeles uh, today to lead an effort aimed at making manufacturing companies more competitive globally by helping them consume less energy and produce less waste. Well, just where you, like that's going to really make things uh, less expensive. Does that sound like it's going to be less expensive and uh, a lot of jobs? Build factories mm-hmm. in the south and create jobs for the illegal aliens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This private-public partnership will develop smart sensors to make all types of manufacturing more efficient. To make manufacturing more efficient, that to me that equals robots. But Obama, Obama said at a conference designed to showcase investment opportunities in the United States. Uh, he goes on and talks about how many jobs they added, you know, blah, 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 in the manufacturing industry. And uh, he's certainly looking to uh, 
Um, it's probably some sort of a payback for all the campaign funds, but uh, um, you know everything always seems to to go to California, and you really have to understand, you know, when you have to bring back manufacturing to this country, you just can't, uh, um, you know, unless Americans are willing to work for two bucks an hour, uh, unless you do something else, it's just not going to work. So, you know, it's just image building. It's image building on his legacy. It's image building on, you know, the manufacturing to, to make people believe that, uh, um, you know, we're good in this country with our manufacturing and that jobs are coming back. But, um uh, so his panel on this uh, discussion begins with uh, Mark Zuckerberg. Um, so, you know, it's just, <laughs> it's really pathetic. Um, if they're able to create some manufacturing jobs, good for them. But, uh, you know, what are they going to get? Some IT jobs? You know, Maybe they should pay. just bypass and deal with reality and build the factories in Mexico. Jobs are going to be taken over by illegal aliens anyway. We might as well build the factories in Mexico and let the illegal aliens stay home and get the jobs. <laughs> so you wonder how, uh, I guess, uh, Los Angeles will receive $70 million from the federal government. And, uh, hey, you know, $70 million doesn't seem like a whole lot anymore mm-hmm. compared to terms of billions, but uh, multiply $70 million by, you know, 2,000 other little programs that are going on that are getting a few million here and a few million there. But anyway. And the economy is stimulated and it's turning around and we're in the midst of recovery and there's no possibility of a recession. Now I'll say hallelujah. not this afternoon. All right. Amen. Hallelujah. Ellen, somebody hand, somebody hand me a tambourine. We're ready to go to, we're ready to go to break. I'm Alfred Addis here with Melody Cedarstrom. I'm looking for my tambourine here on Financial Survival. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back. obligations or relationship problems have you feeling stressed out when life is too much to handle use apothecary herbs emotional stress formula feel calm and more in control with herbs especially combined to provide the organic nutrition your system needs to help you cope complete instructions for maximum benefit and a money-back guarantee you've waited long enough call apothecary herbs now toll free 866-229-3663 That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3Ws.thepowerherbs.com. Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it, It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, 
Invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Hi, folks. I'm Alfred Adask here with Melody Cedarstrom on Financial Survival. Brought to you with Discount Gold and Silver at 1-800-375-4188. What's next, Melody? Well, I think you wanted to talk about this session. Yeah, we got a couple articles dealing with the possibility of an, of an approaching recession. And the first one is from Global Economic Trend Analysis, and the headline is Economists Scramble to reassess recession odds. Uh, we, had a, we want to know the recession odds. I don't know, should we call an economist or should we call the bookies down in Las Vegas? In any case, the article says, in a Wall Street Journal survey this month, economists pegged the probability of a recession starting within the next year, within the next 12 months, at 21%, up from just 10% a year earlier. Some economists think the, region, the, uh, the risk is even higher. For example, J.P. Morgan Chase, economic, their economic model recently signaled a 34% chance of recession within 12 months. That was up from 21% in January. Similar increases preceded the past three recessions. All right. Uh, business, uh, business leaders aren't panicking, however. The business roundtable uh, last week said that U.S. chief executives have boosted their expectation for capital expenditures, hiring, and sales in the coming months. Executives don't see an end to the expansion. Caterpillar Incorporated Chief Executive Doug Oberhelman said that, I think, for the most part, people believe that we can stumble along at 2% for a while longer if there's not some big event from the outside. Well, that's faint praise in one sense. I mean, it's a faint optimism. I think we can stumble along. Um, I'm not convinced that business executives don't see an end to the expansion. Uh, the business roundtable, presumably they know what they're doing, but you know the way the numbers are, everything is, not everything, but, but so many things appear to be manipulated. 
that it's hard to know what you can have confidence in. But this article right here, they're, they're talking we have a 21% chance of recession within the next within the next 12 months. That doesn't strike me as doom and gloom. You know, it's like saying we have a hundred thousandth of a percent uh, probability that a, that a meteor will land in your backyard in the next 12 months. Okay, a meteor could land, but the odds are not high. Similarly, 21% are not high, but it does appear to be growing. It was from 10% a year earlier to 21% now. J.P. Morgan, 34% chance, 21% chance back in, in January. The probability that we're stumbling into a recession appears to be growing. All right, but this first article was not, it's not really pumping doom and gloom. But here's another one, uh, facts favoring recession. This is from Prophecy News Watch, and it lists a number of facts about the U.S. economy that suggests that the chances that a recession will occur is higher than the 21% economists suppose, all right, that we talked about in the first article, and uh, more likely to begin this year than later in 2017. So we'll go through some of these facts. One, industrial production has now declined for nine months in a row. We have never seen this happen outside of a recession in all of U.S. history. Implication, we may already be in a recession, right? I think we are. I don't think we ever really. I have, I have not believed we had any kind of a recovery since 2008. I know that's contrary to, to uh, conventional thinking, and people say, oh, we had something like a recovery. It didn't get worse, didn't crash. They, kind of, they, they say that this is not, therefore, we haven't been in a recession for all of the last eight years, but I think we've been close enough to a recession for all of the last eight years where if we weren't in one, we can still kind of look at it as if we were. Second point, U.S. commercial bankruptcies have risen on a year-over-year basis for seven months in a row and are now up 51% since, since September. All right, bankruptcies are up by 50%, to 51% since last September. Um, three, the delinquency rate on commercial industrial loans have been rising since January of 2015. Four, total business sales in the United States have been steadily dropping since the middle of 2014. All right. Total business sales have been steadily dropping for... Now, that's two years. Two years. U.S. factory orders have been dropping for 18 months in a row. Cash shipping index has been falling on a year-over-year basis for 14 consecutive months. U.S. coal production has dropped to its lowest level in 35 years. Federal tax receipts and state tax receipts usually both start to fall as we enter a new recession, and that's precisely what's taking place right now. Federal Reserve's labor market condition index has been falling for five months in a row. The employment numbers that the government released for last month were the worst seen in six years. According to Challenger Gray and Christmas, layoff announcements at major firms are running 24% higher this year than they were at this time last year. 
online job postings. This is kind of an odd indicator to me, but it's 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 indicate it's it's interesting because it's it's sort of a new indicator, and perhaps it's reflect it reflects what's happening in our digital world. It says that online job postings on the business networking site networking site LinkedIn have been declining steadily since February after 73 months in a row of growth. And finally, for the number of temporary workers in the United States peaked and started falling precipitously before the recession of 20, 2001 and even uh, had even started. Um, the exact same thing happened just prior to the beginning of the 2008 recession. The number of temporary workers in the United States peaked in December and has since fallen dramatically, which indicates that we are perhaps right on, if we're not already in a recession, we're on the verge of one. <clears throat> so I'm just, I, I don't know, it's not all doom and gloom. There's mixed opinions on this, but really the evidence, I wonder how many people are in the audience right now who have a feeling that happy days are here again and things are going to begin to get better and the economy is going to strengthen and unemployment is good, real unemployment is going to fall, not just in terms of the 4.6 or 7% they report right now, but in terms of the 20-23%. The number of economists believe is the real unemployment rate, but we don't count that because many of these people have simply stopped looking for jobs. If they're not looking for jobs, then they're not unemployed. Um, it just the point to all of this is it seems to me that while there may be some people who are looking into the future with a certain amount of optimism, it seems to me that the, the if you look around, you see the facts, drive down the street, see how many storefronts are closed up, empty, vacant. You have to, how many people do you know that are unemployed, underemployed, just barely making it? You've got to sit back and say, we are in or near another recession. And if we go into another one, we can sit back and suppose that, well, okay, we get into another recession, but, but the Federal Reserve and or the U.S. government will bail us out. They'll come up with the necessary capital or at least fiat dollars. And they'll save us. But I don't think they will. I don't think they have the resources to continue to bail us out if we get deeper into another recession. The implication is if we get into another circumstance similar to that of 2008, we're going to go to the bottom. We're not going to be rescued. High probability, I can't say it's God's truth, but high probability, we are not going to be rescued. And that means it's going to be up to each of us to take responsibility for our own lives, take responsibility for our savings, whatever, and for our work and whatever. And those of us who are unwilling to take personal responsibility are going to be in a lot of trouble. If you think you can depend on the government to continue to provide the welfare for the poor and the subsidies for the rich and the pensions for former government employees, 
If you think you can count on the government to provide that, I don't think I don't think that's rational. I don't think it's reasonable. I think the federal government has reached a point where it's increasingly difficult to borrow more money to hand out free lunches to everyone. I think the government is in a predicament right now where it can't raise taxes without slowing the economy even further and pushing us deeper into a recession and or a depression. If they can't borrow and they can't tax, where do they get the money to buy to buy our next free lunch? I don't think they can do it. If you can't provide your own lunch, I don't think you're going to be able to count on the government to produce to provide it for you. I know that they'll get some of the free lunches out, and some of the people in most difficult situations will be will receive some assistance, but I don't think they're going to receive as much as they may be receiving right now. And uh, the results will be a lot of people are going to tighten their belts. Some people are going to resort to violence. Hard to say where it's going to go, but it does look like we're headed toward another recession, perhaps a depression, and it does not appear that the government and or the Federal Reserve will be able to bail us out. And if that's true, better get ready. Better do what you need to do to store up food, water, guns, bullets, gold, and silver, because we're headed for some serious trouble. What's next, Melody? And we got to remember something, too. We've never really come out of the recessions. Mm-hmm. Again, I've said this a million times. We've never come out of the recessions that we originally went into. Uh, it's just the government fixing the books, fixing the illusion that makes you believe um, you might feel it a little bit. You might feel things are getting a little better. You might see things getting a little bit better. But truly, all that recession, all that feeling good and so forth was all created by debt. So we never really came out. Another bubble was created in order to carry on this economy once mm-hmm. again. And we're just not seeing that here in this in the States. <clears throat> and I'm seeing it again. It's global. And folks, when it, when those bubbles break, and you know I can name five of them, um, when those bubbles break, um, it's not just going to be here in the states. It just won't be in Japan. It just won't be. It won't be uh, uh, secluded to Europe. It won't be secluded to China. It will include all of us. All of these countries uh, will collapse. Um, when I read and see how some of these markets are so interchanged and how they're and how it's traded, and I mean, it's just it's just not going to work out very well. And you might be doing very well in a share, maybe, but will you ever be able to sell it? That's the key. Um, I can remember the stock markets being down after 9-11 for over a week, maybe a week. I think maybe seven days they were down after 9-11. Gold was down day and a half, I believe. Uh, so the gold market came back sooner. And uh, they shortened the trading uh, day for gold, and that never did come back. They it used to close a, a spot used to close at 3:30. Now it closes at 1:30, so uh, they never went back to that 3:30 uh, deal. But uh, um, you know, and again, it's just all part of their system. It's all part of their ability to make you believe, make you uh, think things are just. I'm going to say a word that I didn't think I'd ever say on radio. Hunky-dory, Al. <laughs> those are, those are two words, Melody. Now, which word didn't you think you were going to say? Was it hunky or was it dory? Both. Uh, Both. All right. So anyway, so uh, um, and, and I can't believe everything I hear about how negative gold, you know, you know, people are becoming 
concern about their holding of their gold. And it's like, are you kidding me? Who are you listening to? And that's what it's all about. Who are you listening to? You never sell your physical gold. Uh, now's not the time. There will be a time, but now's not the time to trade your, your, your investments, your gold and silver investments for, for paper investments. It's just the opposite. Yeah. And, uh, you don't, don't allow greed. Don't allow the promises of all these big returns. I was just reading someone, uh, an email. Oh, you can't eat gold. If I hear that one more time, <laughs> but I'm you just can going eat to scream. Bonds, right, Melody? Yeah, yeah, you sure yeah, can. You instead of tortillas to make burritos. I know like if I have... burrito, take that stock for $100,000, wrap it around some ground meat, not necessarily ground cow, might be ground dog or cat, but ground meat in any case, a uh, little spices, and you have a fiat burrito. I know if I have gold and silver, I'll never be hungry. Yes, I do believe you need to store food. I yes, I do believe you you need to have your protection, your weapons, and your, and your ammo. I do believe you have to have all those things. But those who you just can't put all of your money into those things. You need to protect it. And gold is the monetary metal in which you turn to in order to protect it. Doesn't mean you can't speculate on paper if you want. You know, but don't think that you're safe and don't get caught up into all of these promises of of triple digit gains. And the triple digit gains, you're carrying more risk. And I wouldn't be carrying any risk at this time uh, of the game. So, Well, we talked a little about it in the past. People complain about gold because it doesn't pay any interest. Okay. But if you think in terms of uh, junk bonds, they pay maximum interest. You might be able to get 20% on a junk bond. On a good bond, which is presumably more safe and less risky, you might only get 2% interest on it. What can we infer from the fact that gold doesn't pay interest? We can infer that it's even safer than conventional bonds. Right? They, 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 it's just one more evidence. It's not a reason not to buy gold. It's a reason to buy gold. Let's take a break for some commercials, Melody, and I will be right back on Financial Survival. Please stay tuned. mistake. Aspirin was discovered by mistake during World War II and suppresses your immune system and prevents blood clotting. Don't expose your body to risk when you can use a natural inflammation and pain reliever called Extra Strength Pain Relief by Apothecary Herbs. Discover the power this formula has with Salicin to enter the system in 60 seconds to work hard and relieve pain for 12 hours. Whether it's arthritis, sports injury, or flu, you can relieve aches, pain, and swelling with our Extra Strength Pain Relief Formula. Call Apothecary Herbs now, toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the www.thepowerherbs.com. Oops. 
prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. I'm Alfred Addison. I'm here with Melody Cedarstrom on Financial Survival, brought to you by Discount Gold and Silver. 1-800-375-4188. What's the next, Melody? I think we need to begin recording our breaks. I mean, I know when I did programs with Bob Chapman, you know, the, the breaks were always very funny. And uh, <laughs> we should do that. Isn't that all funny, Melody? <laughs> But a large yeah, part of, most them. of them. Are well, funny. we would only print Some the funny ones. Funny, but occasionally it's a good thing that <laughs> we're in different parts of the country. Hey, we're going to have this special today. Um, and it amazes me. Friday, you could have bought one Silver Eagle. I said any trade, you'd have a free Silver Eagle. That means if you if you had purchased one Silver Eagle for for what nineteen bucks, whatever it was on Friday you would have acquired a free one. So any trade and, and didn't have any takers on that. And that just surprises me. So you guys aren't listening out there today. We have a special, uh, it's uh, been a long time since I, I uh, uh, had the 20 American silver Eagles. The dates on these are 2016. So they're, you know, they're, they're brand new, brilliant, uncirculated, uh, just beautiful. Um, 20 of those. And, an almost uncirculated $5 Liberty gold piece. This is $805, and I will include a free Silver Eagle. So let's just see how many of you out there are paying attention. This is $805, 20 Silver Eagles. And they're new dated, so they're brilliant uncirculated. And AU $5 Liberties for $805. So make sure you call us at one 800 375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Make sure you visit our website at dgscoins.com, dgscoins.com. And um, our newsletter might be a little late today. I'm just, I'm late getting it done today. Had a lot of uh, things to do here, discount gold and silver. Um, so I'm a little late in getting it out, but um, hopefully you'll get it before tomorrow morning. An article here from Reuters it says Rio State, I'm talking about Rio de Janeiro in Brazil, Rio State declares financial emergency, requests funding for Olympics. Rio de Janeiro's governor declared a state of financial emergency Friday and requested federal funds to help uh, fulfill obligations 
for public services during the Olympics that start August 15th. And just in case you're worried, we're not talking about federal funds from the federal government of the United States. We're talking about federal funds from the federal government of Brazil. Emergency measures are needed to avoid a total collapse in public security, health, education, transport, and environmental management. The state's revenue, largely tied to the petroleum industry, slumped in the last two years as global oil prices collapsed. Brazil's interim president, Michael Turner, said the federal government would uh, uh, would ensure all obligations are met for a successful Olympic uh, Games uh, production. Um, Rio is expecting about 500,000 foreign visitors during the Olympics, which has coincided with Brazil's worst recession since the 1930s and a political crisis that last month led to the suspension of Brazil's previous president, Dilma Rousseff. Now, point I'm bringing, reason I'm bringing this to your attention, <clears throat> first of all, Brazil's busted. Rio de Janeiro doesn't have enough money to put on the games and provide security, which means Rio has a reputation for a certain amount of violence, theft, pickpockets, muggers, all right? And if they can't provide adequate security during the, during the Olympics, there are going to be a lot of disgruntled people. And the threat of simply not being able to provide adequate security, um, I think it's going to cut the number of foreign visitors. If they're expecting 500,000, they better plan for 400,000. Plan on the media. Yeah. <laughs> there won't be any outside visitors. But It'll the just be thing- those who have to be there. The main thing that intrigued me is which they're, they're having a, a recession. And this problem, this financial problem, coincides with Brazil's worst recession since the 1930s. Brazil is going into a recession right now that, has, that is worse than anything they've seen since the 1930s, which corresponds with the Great Depression in the United States. And Melody talked about this a little bit previously in the previous segment where she was talking about we see these problems and they won't be confined to a single country. They are going to be, these economic problems are going to be of a global nature. Well, this is like that. This isn't quite proof of that just yet, but insofar as Brazil, I don't know what what size Brazil's economy is compared to the rest of the world. But I'm going to guess that it's somewhere between 10 and 15. Uh, and I don't know if that's true or false, but I'm guessing that Brazil's economy is somewhere between 10th and 15th. And they are emulating a, an economic downturn unlike any they've experienced since the United States had the Great Depression in the 1930s. It's parallels. Melody was warning about, and uh, it's evidence that it may be going on right now. Again, the government's trying to tell us, oh, there's only slim odds that we're going to have another recession. But the evidence indicates that we're going to have, we're, that we may already be in a recession, point one, and point two, if we're, we, if we're not already in one, we're on the verge of one. You know and, what? Uh, if there's nobody to rescue us, then what? 
How do we avoid going into depression? You know what? This global money hasn't worked for anyone. All all the global money, whether it be fiat, yes, the fiat currency, but I'm not talking about the system. I'm talking about the the global money, the stimuluses that that was created, the trillions of dollars of stimulus being created, being funneled into these emerging markets that were uh, dependent on China, on the United States, that was dependent on $100 oil. You had the BRICS that was an up-and-coming, you know, economic shaker with, with, with the other countries. Uh, uh, and, and look what has just gotten them. You know, oil has dropped. China has dropped. The U.S., now we, I don't think we ever got off the ground, but we're, you know, it's none of this money that has been created and funneled into these emerging markets through stimulus uh, because of the rigging of their rates and because of these these hedge funds and their ability to trade globally at, at, at the, the drop of a pin in, in, in micro... I mean, it hasn't helped anyone. And well, now it hasn't you ha- helped many, that's for sure. It has, Ooh, it has helped them. The, the, billion, the, the, the wealthy become wealthier and more powerful, but it's killed countries. Look what's happening to Brazil. Look what's happening to Venezuela. Look what's happening to Nigeria. Look what's happening over in England. Look, look with all that um, migration that's, that's happening over there. Why? You know, and then it all comes down. It, none of these countries have been helped, uh, maybe for a short period of time. But now when we look back, they're, they're just being destroyed. And they're, they're having very difficult times. And I don't, you know, I, I don't see anything that will change in the very near future. There's nothing that can change. No. Because the big problem we have, the reason the third with the BRICS, for example, went into hard times is because they oh, were well. receiving cheap, easy dollars yep. from the United States among yeah. others, and we were not creditors in this country. He said, look, you're only paying me close to 0% for my money. They said, I'm going to lend my money someplace else. Mm-hmm. They moved it over to BRICS nations. Yep. BRICS bit. It was like a big mouth bass going after a hook with a worm on it. They said, ooh, that worm well, yeah, looks great not- to me. That's a cheap worm. Uh, we won't hardly, yeah. They pulled the worms off, and now all you got left is a hook. But you got all these countries that were attached. I mean, you had you, you there was bank, there was international banks that were being set up on, for the BRICS nations, and and uh, also another international bank that was being set up by China. And you know, you don't hear anything of those, and kind of delayed and and so forth. So, I, I, you're you know that money being funneled in there helped temporarily. It was, they, yeah, it was being funneled and in no there. longer. And the oil now prices it's no longer there. And, and here's the difference. Here's the significant point on this. You know, if you're running an economy on the basis of we produce things, the government can raise taxes on the production, we have more currency, maybe we save the currency and we can expend it when we go into a recession or depression, right? You have an economy that's based on production, and based on production, we can raise taxes and still produce and make enough money to do what needs to be done. But when you take the country's productive capacity and diminish it by sending industries and jobs to third world countries, by allowing third world laborers to sneak in illegally and take jobs at lower, at lower wage 
uh, and lower wages and, and drag the whole wage scale down. The productivity does not work to support it. You have to support the economy based on going deeper into debt. You could stimulate, if we were productive, we could stimulate the economy by raising taxes on our productivity. We're not. We're not sufficiently productive. And therefore, the government has little choice but to go deeper into debt if they can. But the problem is, how do you go deeper into debt if you're... If you are being productive, all right, you raise taxes on the productivity, you get by. All right, it's like being a farmer. All right, we're going to raise taxes, but you still grow corn. If we raise taxes in this economy, we actually cause the farmer to stop growing corn. We can't easily raise taxes. And government has gone so deep into debt that we can't easily continue to borrow because we can't even pay what we've already borrowed. Anyone who looks at it understands. Again, government says we're in debt for $20 trillion. If they are, the average American owes $60,000, his fair share, and that's for every man, woman, and child. John Williams at ShadowStats.com says, no, the national debt is closer to $100 trillion, if you calculate it correctly. All right? $100 trillion translates into, what, $300,000 debt. For every man, woman, and child in this country. How many of you have an extra three hundred grand you want to send the federal government? And the answer is, even those of you who have the money, you're not going to send that three hundred grand to Uncle Sam. And he's certainly not going to get it out of the vast majority of the American people who don't have any resources worth mentioning. And Congressional Budget Office and Scott Lakoff have said, no, the debt is actually, including unfunded liabilities, it's over $200 trillion, which translates into, what, 600000 for every man, woman, and child in the country. There's no way that debt's going to be paid. It's not going to be paid. And that's the big problem. Sooner or later, someone is going to hand government is going to have to say, sorry, folks, we can't pay off on those bonds. Sorry, folks, we can't deliver the money on the pensions we promised. Sorry, folks, we don't have enough to give you the Social Security that you had expected and hoped for. Sooner or later, the government's going to have to admit, actually admit that it's broke. It's not news. It'll be news when they admit it. The admission will be news, but the fact won't be news. They've been broke. They've been broke, arguably, at least since when Nixon stopped paying off foreign-held dollars with gold. We haven't redeemed our debt in 40-some years. We just go deeper and deeper and deeper into debt, and we assume that somehow this thing is going to hold together. And, in fact, it's a virtual, cert- it's, it's a virtual impossibility that it will hold together. And I just we're just about running out of time, and I just want to remind the listeners that we have Greg Hunter. He'll be joining us tomorrow. Uh, he'll come onto the program about uh, 10 minutes uh, after we begin and right after the, shortly after the market report. And again, Greg Hunter from USA Watchdog. And uh, I guess the other, uh, we'll have to see how those votes uh, come out this evening. Al? Um, Which oh, we're talking about in the House what they're going to do about guns. Senate, yes. Firearms, yes. assault rifles. And rest. You know, yes, one of the, the things about it, there are no assault rifles that are single fire. <laughs> semi-automatic. There's nobody in the world who fields an army who says, here's an assault rifle, and they're semi-automatic. It, you, if you have an assault rifle, it's fully automatic. Nobody has those in this country, and yet well, the government know. wants to stop yeah. assault rifles. We, well, we, we know that. I mean, you know, that, that's 
you know, one of the issues on there. And, and all the reading that I've done is that, you know, none of them will be passed anyway. The only thing I find interesting is they're going to do it this evening. And usually during the evening, usually something gets passed. So, no, that's because they don't want to cut into their bar time. Um, well, so if you want to make we'll it see. out there, for it's a full. Hour, well, you know, regardless, you they'll slip through in a hurry. Either a holiday or right before vacation, or uh, you know, in the eve, they usually will something. Usually, someone gets bribed enough to get something passed. So we'll just have well, to wait until tomorrow. Drunk. We'll watch and see. How do you? How can you tell the difference between a bribed politician and a drunken and a drunken politician, Melody? You tell us, Al. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Sounds the same to me. Let's. We're Melody and I are out of time. We'll be back tomorrow. Hope you'll tune in at that time. In the meantime, and the good Lord bless you, me, Melody, and Frank, the producer. Bye bye. Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. Americans for Immigration Control is a leading national organization dedicated to reasonable levels of legal immigration and effective enforcement to stop illegal immigration. With more than 250,000 members and supporters nationwide, we are an effective voice for immigration reform. AIC stands up in Washington for the views of most Americans on immigration. We are the leaders in stopping recent legislation to reward 10 million or more illegal aliens with legal status and eventual citizenship. The late Georgia Congress 
Charlie Norwood had this to say about us. AIC has earned a reputation among members of Congress as one of the most active and responsive advocacy groups in the field of immigration. Join AIC today. For more information, go to our website, immigrationcontrol.com. That's immigrationcontrol.com or call 540-468-2023. That's 540-468-2023. Whether using your cell phone for business or staying in touch with family, your cell phone use is increasing. Use the Wave Shield, developed for ultimate cellular protection. The Wave Shield blocks, reduces, and deflects up to 97% of the radiation from entering the soft tissue of your ear. The Wave Shield, made of a patented mesh material, is proven and tested to block radiation without affecting reception. Order your Wave Shield today for only $19.95. Did he just say $19.95? Hey, times are tough, so American Voice Radio Network is cutting the price to $17.95. That's right, $17.95 plus mailing. You can protect yourself, family, and friends from cell phone danger to your inner ear. $17.95 at TheAmericanVoice.com. That's the superstore at TheAmericanVoice.com. $17.95 plus mailing. Order now. makes deep sea salt from France so different. Up from the ocean depths in the south of France flow undersea rivers of pristine sea water. At high tide, the prepared salt ponds are filled with this water. Over spring and summer, processed only by ocean breezes and sunshine, the brine thickens and salt crystals float to the top. These are harvested with nets and deposited on wooden drainage flats to dry. The salt is then gathered up, packaged, and shipped around the world. This salt is much more than a box of lifeless sodium chloride. Soldiers worth their salt were once paid with this valuable commodity. It contains 78 to 84 balancing elements. This is living salt, and once you have tasted it, you will never go back to anything else. I've seen this salt in gourmet shops for $30 a pound. Get it now at 4spectrum.us for under $8 a pound. Order 10 pounds and enter the coupon code AVRSALT at checkout and save $20. Ships free to your door or call 800-581-8906. Order today. Fighting soldiers from the sky Fearless men who jump and die Men who mean just what they say The brave men of the Green Beret All right, everybody, welcome to uh, Wednesday. Wow. Time flies, doesn't it? When you're having fun, you're listening to American Voice Radio just exactly as you should be. So if nothing else goes right today, you're right on target. This is Freedom Call. I'm your host, Bo Greitz. Now, a lot of people wonder what God looks like. Is Yeshua Messiah, Jesus the Christ, swarthy, dark-haired, brown-eyed, a Middle Easterner, or is he, as uh, some have pointed out uh, in uh, Roman records maintained uh, by uh, the heads of state and getting reports from the occupied areas there uh, in Palestine, 
Uh, is he of fair complexion, blue-eyed, light-haired? Well, there is somebody uh, who says he knows. He's a four-year-old or young boy named Colton. Four years old, and he almost didn't get any older. He had a uh, wrong diagnosis with a bad appendix, not once, but twice by doctors. Next thing you know, uh, his parents are picking up his lifeless uh, body, and he's being rushed to a hospital emergency uh, to receive uh, surgery for this appendix that had ruptured five days earlier. Miraculously, young boy Colton four survives. And uh, it was actually four months later, Colton uh, began telling uh, his mother at first, and then later his dad, things that uh, it wasn't possible for him to have known just uh, in the four years that uh, he was part of the family. He said, for example, Mom... I have two sisters, and you had a baby die in your tummy, didn't you? Now, Sonia, his mother, was shocked. She said when she asked him who told him this, he said, she did, Mommy. She said she died in your tummy. Well, Todd, the dad, and Sonia, the mom, had never mentioned anything to Colton about the miscarriage before Colton was ever born. So young Colton goes on to tell his mom that uh, she was a girl and she looked familiar and she started giving me hugs and she was glad to have someone in her family up there. Up there, <laughs> asked by his dad about uh, the hospital experience, Colton says, you know, Dad, the angels sang to me while I was there. Colton said that while he was on the operating table, he went to heaven, that he met his great-grandfather, Pop. Colton says his grandfather didn't look like the man in the photo in his house, but instead he looked like the man in the picture sent months later by his grandmother, a young man without glasses. Later, Colton described the Messiah. He talked about Armageddon. And how God told him that his father would fight in the final battle. Now, Todd is a pastor. He said he never talked like this and about these subjects uh, with his 
preschool age son. But uh, the boy uh, seems happy and has been on television. <laughs> now, do you believe that these things uh, could happen? Well, <clears throat> the answer is uh, yes. I personally believe and that in near-death experiences that uh, it, it is God's will. But occasionally, uh, the person who is close to heaven has uh, these amazing and wonderful experiences of love, of light, of Christ, of uh, angels, beautiful music, seeing people uh, who were of their family that seemed to be there as guides. So uh, I would say, and when you get to be my age, you realize that uh, you don't have that long, probably, uh, to live, you wouldn't probably start a new career, even though I've started the karate classes I had to uh, give up back in uh, 1985, and because as a government agent I was constantly being sent uh, overseas for indetermined periods, uh, even though they were all <clears throat> direct action mission associated, which means that they were point type targets. Uh, I went to Africa, West Africa, for example, on a black money deal, uh, which ended up taking about three weeks. But you can't be a karate instructor if you're not going to be there, because the students uh, depend on you. And uh, so it had been uh, all these years since... Uh, uh, I had uh, had to walk away from the karate class that I started in Little Sandy Valley at about 50 students. And so I thought, uh, well, what uh, can I do now? I still uh, stand ready to teach people uh, how to fly. Uh, primarily now I give these uh, biennial, which are uh, flight reviews uh, to licensed pilots that uh, once every two years have to have an hour's worth of ground school and an hour's worth of instructor flight time to sign them off. And I thought, well, gosh, you know, I am a, a karate instructor. As a matter of fact, uh, I'm the chief instructor for the American Council on Karate Instruction. I said, why, uh, I mean, being older... Does that mean that I have forgotten? I haven't forgotten. It's like uh, I was born with it because uh, you worked this skill for years and years. And at one time, I was probably teaching on the average of at least four hours a day. I took this skill to combat with me. I've used it in hand to gland uh, well, as a matter of fact. And so... Uh, I have started that again. It's kind of like maybe I'll be able to, you know, at least impart enough uh, of the skill 
to the 30-some students that I have now uh, to make up for uh, what I started. I should finish it. Well, I hope that, because uh, I think about uh, life after death, and uh, I always have. I, it has been my contention that you cannot be a total fearless warrior if you have uh, any fears. Now, really, what is fear? Well, fear comes from the unknown. I used to take uh, black belt candidates uh, into a special little testing where they were brought in blindfolded into a perfectly black room, not a bit of light. And they were made to uh, negotiate this room, which had uh, serpent-like things and uh, spider webs and other things that uh, would excite the imagination of the unknown to see if these uh, candidates for Shodan, first-degree black belt, uh, were actually uh, able to control themselves. And so uh, I, as a young Special Forces A-team leader uh, in combat, had uh, had preconditioned my A-team. We had six months of intensive uh, training just as an A-team before we went to Vietnam. And uh, I hope that every one of them uh, was fearless, that they understood about death and what happens after death. I didn't try to teach them uh, religion, but I wanted them to conclude that at death, you don't worry about it. Whatever is going to happen, whether you continue to live or whether you, when you're dead, you're dead, I didn't care. I wanted them to put it out of their minds because the road to life is actually a paradox. You must choose death. Before I would uh, infiltrate as part of a Delta team's where we only had two Americans and three Chinese, I would imagine that uh, I was uh, would fall into a pit of cobras. I imagine that I landed in uh, in man traps lined with ponzi stakes. I imagined every conceivable way that I could be killed on that mission, and then all that was left was for me. There wasn't any death anymore. There wasn't any agony. There wasn't any fear. Now all we had to do was do it. And so uh, you choose the road to death. You live because your mind, your energy can be 110% focused. If you're thinking about your family or getting back or things that you haven't done that you want to do or things that you've done that you wish you wouldn't have, Friends, at that moment, the enemy uh, may be just ahead of you. And so uh, I hope that uh, this little testimony, you can learn a lot more, because this uh, boy's father, uh, Colton, uh, the boy, 
has uh, actually got a, uh, a best-selling book called Heaven is for Real. Heaven is for Real. And so you might want to go down. I know Borders is going bankrupt. 200 stores, bookstores are closed. Nobody reads anymore. But look around. Might go on the Internet, see if you can uh, find Heaven is for Real, where you can read in detail what this young lad says happened to him. And I found out something. (laughs) Young, young, young people, very hard for them uh, to use imagination uh, to bring up and recall and recite uh, such mature subject matter. And I, uh, I know that uh, my son, Michael, my number three son, uh, he and I, when we had company over, we'd go back in my office, which was uh, a garage office. Uh, when I lived in California and was an instructor at the Los Angeles Hypnosis Institute, and I would go back there, and Michael and I would kind of experiment. And I asked him one time if he would object to me uh, seeing if he had past life recollections. And I was much more surprised than uh, he was, I think, when uh, in his regression, we went past this life back to a time where uh, he was, I would say, in around the World War I era. He was a, a young cadet whose class ended early because of the war. He was then commissioned a second lieutenant of infantry, and he was killed in combat. And he described for me only what real combat infantrymen know about the battlefield and hand-to-hand combat. And I know that my son could not have these things. It was impossible in his imagination. All right, now, let's uh, jump on, because i uh, looking at time. There is a man who called me today that uh, sent my heart soaring. His name is Ken Anderson. Now, you've heard uh, a lot of stories about the Andersons. <laughs> you know, there's survivalists and... Ken Anderson is one of the uh, wonderful people, one of my favorite people. Ken Anderson is a health care specialist. Ken Anderson will make you younger. Ken Anderson will add uh, decades, maybe, to your life. Ken Anderson is what I would call a good Christian man. He is absolutely honest, (laughs) and he has a purpose, and that is to glorify God by helping people with health needs. Now, Ken Anderson was sent to prison, of course. You can't have anybody uh, doing good. There is no good deed that goes unpunished. And so Ken Anderson and his wife, were both sent to prison. They went in prison the same day, and they just got out the same day. 
And the reason? Willful failure to file. Now, just like Dr. Ward Dean, a medical doctor who's a good friend of mine, Ward Dean was sent to prison for seven years. He did file. Uh, He just didn't file the way that the IRS wanted him to. And, but he's a very intelligent, smart man. He thought he did what was right. Now, Ken Anderson is a law-abiding man, and he actually believes in his heart of hearts that there is no requirement to file income tax. Well, the IRS arrested him. And they told him and his wife that they were going to prison. It's like this Lindsay Lohan judge told her today, uh, you're going to go to prison. Well, they could either send Ken to prison on a misdemeanor for one year, or he could plead not guilty, and if found guilty... The prosecution said, we guarantee you, and the judge will do it, 10 years for you and your wife in prison. Well, Ken decided with his wife that they would plead guilty. And so you may say, well, Bo, they can't send you to federal prison uh, if you uh, are on a misdemeanor. Well, yes, they can. You see, this was Ken's second misdemeanor uh, with concern to the IRS. And so Ken was sent, as his wife, to federal prison. Now, the first uh, six months, he said he was in a camp that didn't even have a wall around it in Northern California. And he said that what changed is that some patriots held a mock trial. Now, they didn't really have anything to do with him, but they felt that Ken was innocent. And so they held a trial, a mock trial, like maybe you and I would get together and say, hey, instead of playing charades tonight, let's hold a mock trial. And uh, one of you guys be Ken Anderson, and one of you be the IRS. Anyway, uh, the IRS took that mock trial, which found Ken and his wife innocent, as if Ken, Ken himself, even though he had nothing to do with it, it was as if he was going to try to escape. It was as if he was himself bad-mouthing the IRS. And so they took him out of the camp, and they put him in hard-time prison for the last six months. Now, it's dumb and it's stupid. It makes me so heartbroken. It makes me angry when I see people like Ward Dean, who has helped Tens of thousands of people. I don't know that he's ever charged a vet. Dr. Ward Dean was a 
a captain, a combat ranger, his first tour in Vietnam. He got sick of killing people. He's a West Point graduate. So when his tour was over, he came home, he got out of the Army, he went to medical school. He is an MD. He's dedicated his life to lengthening life, especially for vets. Ken has done so much for me. I don't know if I'd be alive today with my lifestyle the way it's been. See, a lot of people say, well, Bo, you haven't lived so many chronological. You know, your mileage is high. My RPMs, I'm like a, a race car. You just don't get the total miles without uh, something going. And I think that if I do continue to to survive and persevere, it's because of what Ward Dean did and Ken Anderson. Many of you heard about my spike program. I always, I had 12 phases. And I promised that if you would attend each phase, you would be as qualified as anyone who was awarded the Green Beret for Special Forces. I trained Green Berets. I was an instructor, so I know what the requirements are. Except we, don't, we didn't go. We had a self-defense part of each training cycle. We had a medical part to each cycle. Now, for example, phase four is emergency birthing. Friends, this uh, phase four, that particular medical class is not for the faint of heart. This is about how to birth a child when you do not have regular medical facilities and you have things like prelapse cords or inverted births. And it is real. You see exactly what to do. And so Ken was one of my medical specialists during the spike training because Ken Anderson knows everything about uh, vitamins and about what caused you to live longer and look younger. And I'm so happy that Ken is free now. When we come back, I'm going to give you a telephone number for Ken Anderson because IRS or health-wise, he's just getting back on his feet. But before you face the IRS in court, before, uh, you know, if you have any health problems, talk to Ken Anderson, will you? So get ready with something to write with, and we're going to take a little bit of a pause now, but we're coming back. We've got an awful lot of things that I would say are of major importance to you today. This is Freedom Call on American Voice Radio. Now you stay exactly as you are.
Can your family survive a food shortage lasting two weeks, six months, or maybe longer? Sound far-fetched? We live in precarious times. There is an ever-increasing possibility of food shortages caused by terrorist attacks, natural disasters, truck strikes, or monetary collapse. You owe it to yourself and family to prepare, and you can by getting a supply of our long-storing, freeze-dried, and dehydrated foods. Our foods are time-tested to store for decades, require a minimum of time and energy to prepare while maintaining superior nutritional value, freshness, and taste. Our foods were designed for the space program and are in constant use today by our own nuclear submarine service. Contact the Freeze Dry Guy today at freezedryguy at lancet.com. That's freezedryguy at l-a-n-s-e-t.com or call 530-265-8333. 530-265-8333. And let them know you heard it on American Voice Radio. What makes deep sea salt from France so different? Up from the ocean depths in the south of France flow undersea rivers of pristine sea water. At high tide, the prepared salt ponds are filled with this water. Over spring and summer, processed only by ocean breezes and sunshine, the brine thickens and salt crystals float to the top. These are harvested with nets and deposited on wooden drainage flats to dry. The salt is then gathered up, packaged, and shipped around the world. This salt is much more than a box of lifeless sodium chloride. Soldiers worth their salt were once paid with this valuable commodity. It contains 78 to 84 balancing elements. This is living salt, and once you have tasted it, you will never go back to anything else. I've seen this salt in gourmet shops for $30 a pound. Get it now at 4spectrum.us for under $8 a pound. Order 10 pounds and enter the coupon code AVRSALT at checkout and save $20. Ships free to your door or call 800-581-8906. Order today. Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for one four. $49.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices.
guys. We're back with you. Now, I had mentioned to you about uh, Ken Anderson and that he is just out of prison. It, again, I can't, I get emotional. It makes me so brokenhearted when I think that it seems like, in my case, I know so many people that have been sent to prison because of the damnable IRS. And uh, I just, uh, guys like uh, Ken Anderson, I'm glad that he pled guilty. Now, I don't believe Ken thought he was ever breaking the law. I don't think he would have... uh, had willful failure to file if there was even an ounce, because Ken is a biblical scholar. And Ken, when he called me, I was so happy to hear him. And then, uh, you know, he said, well, I said, my God, you know, tell me what happened. And he said, well, Bo, uh, you understand that in the Bible, we're basically told Uh, If we are slaves, to be good slaves and not to uh, try to overthrow or don't try to undermine or to backstab or to somehow uh, go against uh, your uh, earthly masters. And, uh, you know, when you think about it, uh, we think, well, what is this? Uh, How come we, everybody in the world, Uh, can't be like uh, Americans. Well, uh, you know, let me give you just something just popped into mind, so it must be something I'm supposed to say. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is a really good lesson when I'm thinking about Ken Anderson because what basically the, the lesson of that chapter is, and actually I think it goes on to chapter 13, Uh, gospel according to Bowl, but is that we are all part of a body. We are part of the body of Christ. Now, a body has uh, a a little toe. A body has a brain. A body has eyes. A body uh, has little tiny nerves. Uh, We're made up of of uh, our our own physical body is made up of millions of little individual parts, but they all have something in common. They're all part of our body. Well, all of us are part of God's creation in some way. Now, it may be that uh, those who end up being uh, uh, antichrists or those who end up uh, not believing in God, hating God. Maybe it's like they were cells that turned into cancer because of uh, Satan and one-third of the hosts of heaven that somehow influenced them that followed him down there. My point is is that what Ken was saying is, uh, listen, I don't hold uh, any great offense against a flawed government. Our government is not perfect. Now, I understand this, and it's not the Constitution. 
I believe the Constitution was divinely inspired. It is those who are in office who execute day-to-day type things. Usually tyranny uh, knocks your door down. What? Carrying guns and wearing badges. You don't see tyranny uh, take a form other than, I mean, look at, at a, look around you at the world's governments. And now uh, today, for example, we've got uh, the president right now. Oh, my gosh, maybe I shouldn't even tell you. But right now, the president is speaking. Obama, uh, he came on uh, about uh, oh, 25 minutes ago. And it's because people want him to be on the side of protesters in Libya and Egypt and Tunisia and uh, Bahrain and all these other Middle Eastern countries that uh, I believe the CIA has bought riots. They have fused. They have put detonators with the groups that uh, have reason maybe not to, uh, you know, they're dissident groups. And they have lit those fuses with money. And those fuses have burned down. The detonators have gone off. And we're seeing these countries explode. Well, maybe. Now, you see, God, in, in a body, what would it be if you didn't have Parts were designed to devour other parts that uh, were uh, bad cells, or the uh, you know the digestion of food, uh, things that police our body. Sometimes uh, they get out of control, don't they? But it's all part. And so when we uh, look, I don't believe that men should just lay in the dying cockroach and cry for God to beam them up. By the way, while uh, I said that, it just came to mind, I would have forgot it otherwise. Ken, as I mentioned to you, is a good, solid, uh, born-again Christian. Ken said, uh, Bo, one thing that was disappointing to me is that there were a number, uh, too many, good Christian men who were completely confused and mystified by why God would do this to them when they had good ministries, when they had righteous intent. How could God imprison them? Oh, what I instantly said to Ken, and I heard by his chuckle that I just preempted him, is that it's not God that put these men in prison. It's the IRS. You know, it's the, it's the, the prosecutors. It's the people who get incentives, who get promoted, who make money uh, by uh, doing this to their fellow citizens. And maybe, uh, you know, a lot of people uh, probably thought they were right in the Third Reich and the way that uh, the Versailles Treaty was. Can you imagine how the German people felt 
when they had no fishing rights, when literally their country was uh, was completely uh, denuded. You got Hitler comes back all of a sudden, uh, the uh, extreme inflation, four trillion marks, used to be four marks to the dollar. It actually went to four trillion marks to the dollar. Now you get a guy who seems to be a uh, a cure, and Germany gets strong. People are proud. And so when they go to war, they think maybe that they're right. Well, a lot of these these people, Ken said, in prison, think that God has done this to them and that they are righteous and it isn't fair. And they are giving up on God. Uh, They are uh, cursing God. They are uh, questioning God. And uh, let me make sure you understand this. I learned this in combat. When I blamed it on God, because I couldn't stand it anymore, when a little girl lost her foot and ankle on a landmine, I just, it was the straw that broke this soldier's back. I couldn't stand it anymore. I had seen a hundred children dead at one place at one time. My mind was plowed up like a field. And this this one little girl just screamed, Why? Why, Father, why will you do this to these little children? And you see, uh, God doesn't... uh, have patience with everybody, but I think that God uh, has extra patience with some people, and I, I think I'm one of them, because I've heard his voice more than once in my life, and it, I, it, I wasn't being fooled. This was the voice of the Holy Spirit, but it spoke to me and said, the absolute reason, so this is not, this hurts me more than it does you. This is not my war, this is your war. And innocence must suffer that the guilty may be punished. And all of a sudden I realize this is not God doing this. We are doing this. And those people like Rumsfeld and these other people who make a profit off of war and to to whom war is a business and every good businessman wants business to be better. They are the ones. We are the ones that are causing these tragedies, the maiming and death of children. I don't care too much about adults but I do about children. And so uh, I understood, well, these men have to understand, and you have to understand, that we are part of a body, and, you know, it's like I've told people about A-teams. I had a a general one time, and he said, you know, Bo, uh, 
You don't know how to act as an officer. Now, here I am, a colonel, commander of special forces in Latin America, and I've had years of hand-to-gland combat. I've been decorated more than 60 times for valor under fire, and I got this general who's telling me I don't know how to act as an officer. He says, you seem to think that these sergeants are your friends. And he says, in the Army, we have an officer corps, and there's no fraternization with non-commissioned officers or ORs, other ranks. Now, you see, maybe that's the way it is in his army. And maybe it's the way it was in your army. But in my army, as a captain, I was an A-team leader. I was the brain, if you will, of the detachment. And my intelligence, NCO, was the eyes. And my team sergeant uh, was the tongue. And my medics were the ears. And my communicators were the hearts. I mean, we were all a body. And without the eyes, without the ears, without the heart, what good is the brain? And so we fought. We didn't wear any insignia. But everybody knew that I was the die we. And I knew who the team daddy was, our team sergeant. And I knew who the heavy weapons leader was, Willie Chappelle. And my chief medic, Smitty, we didn't have to pull rank or, or, or defraternize. We were 12 men eating and living, sleeping, living and dying together as one body. Well, as a major, I was a B-team commander. And now I had... A-teams underneath me, and it was the same way. And as a colonel, I was a C-team commander. I had a battalion of special forces under my command, but it was the same way. We're just all part of the, with all these parts. No part is less important than the other parts. And so it is in the Bible, and so it was uh, with Ken Anderson. And so we have to understand God does not do these things to us. Now, let me be clear. You go to James chapter 5, you can get God to intervene. Mother's prayers, I'm sure, brought many sons home safe. I'm one of them. All right. I just I wanted to make sure you kind of understand. I'm sorry if I get emotional or in too much detail. I don't mean to preach at you. But, you know, I have no purpose for this radio program, Freedom Call, other than to make sure you understand what's going on, the truth, what you can do about it, what's important. 
Now, here's something that's important. Well, let me give you something that's not important, but it's news. Rahm Emanuel is now the mayor of Chicago. He had the majority of blacks who voted for him, and Obama is very proud of that. That's what the president says. Now, secondly is there is a minister, only he resigned here just the other day. He is the former justice minister of Libya. And this is why it is important, because he has said outwardly that Muammar Gaddafi, the leader of Libya, personally ordered the Pan Am 103 that was blew up over Lockerbie, Scotland. He ordered that, that killed 270 people in 1988. And this guy, who's named uh, Mustafa Abdel Jali, J-A-L-I-L, Jalil, Jalil, yeah, because the eyes are all pronounced E's over there. He says, I have proof that Gaddafi gave the order about Lockerbie. Uh, Jalil says, he's quoted in the interview, he says, Abdel Jalil, who stepped down as justice minister to protest the clampdown on anti-government demonstrations, didn't describe the proof. It says that uh, Gaddafi has accepted Libya's responsibility for Pan Am 103. Uh, it, it killed all these people, 259, most of them Americans, and 11 people on the ground that were Scots. And he's paid for the uh, victim's compensation, but he's never admitted that it was his order. Well, now his justice minister says that it was. He says to hide it, Gaddafi did everything in his power to get al Magrahi back from Scotland. Now, remember that guy? They said he was going to die. And so Great Britain, to seal an oil deal, British Petroleum, with Libya, Britain pressures Scotland, who is still under British rule. Scotland is not its own country. If you look, you'll see that. Anyway, England pressured Scotland. Scotland turned this guy, McGrawhy, loose. Now McGrawhy is perfectly in good health and received as a hero when he landed in Tripoli, Libya. Al McGrawhy was granted compassionate release from the Scottish prison in August 2009 on the grounds that he was suffering prostate cancer and would die soon. So, knowing and having a witness against Muammar Gaddafi, this is reason to bring him before the world court. And uh, here's what the uh, minister says uh, in addition. If you went to trial, remember this guy is the former justice minister for Libya, there was no question about who did it and why and who ordered it. 
Anyway, Lisa Gibson, Colorado Springs, Colorado, lost her 20-year-old brother, Ken, in the bombing. She says, quote, I'm not surprised for him to say that Gaddafi is responsible because ultimately we know that. McGrahi's trial was conducted at a special Scottish court set up in the Netherlands after years of diplomatic maneuvering. In Britain, some Lockerbie victims' relatives have questioned his conviction. They argue that insufficient attention was paid to the possibility that the bombing was carried out not by Libyan intelligence, but by Libyan-backed Palestinian terrorists. Well, friends, if Gaddafi ordered this thing, we have someone who needs to be punished. Now, I've told you about Gaddafi, who, back in the... 70s paid enormous amounts of money to U.S. special forces to come to Libya. And if you look at terrorism, we trained Gaddafi's people, but they weren't Libyans just. They came from all over. We trained the people that used the training against us, the United States. And we did it for gold Rolexes with diamonds. And it's a damn shame. Anyway, Gaddafi is, uh, says he will burn the oil facilities if he's forced uh, out of power. Now, it's very interesting because this is something that a lot of Americans have questioned. What about the armed forces? Well, today, a Libyan aircraft crashed after the crew refused to bomb the public. So there is a wild and weird president who orders uh, violence in the form of bombing, and his military crew refuse. And to make damn sure that the plane isn't used by anyone else, they crash it. Now, this is nationalistic. This is heroism, if you ask me. And uh, who is going to be hurt if Gaddafi uh, lights up? Uh, because he has a tremendous amount of petroleum that goes to Europe. And so, be very interesting. By the way, it was admitted today that we don't know what's going to happen, but it is possible that Social Security checks will not be printed and distributed if the government comes to a shutdown. Now, it means something to a lot of Americans who just the only income they have is Social Security. And 14.3 is the ceiling. We have less than 20 days before we reach that ceiling unless Congress either caves in and goes ahead and writes Obama a blank check. It very well could be that the government... I've been there when it did... It only did for a day or so, but for a day or so, hey, people didn't go to work in the executive branch. 
Congress wasn't there in the Capitol building. All right, stay with American Voice for the latest on all of this. I'll be back with you tomorrow, and I've got a lot of things that I haven't got to, but I'll get to them tomorrow. Think about the things we talked about today. All right, God bless you. Stay with American Voice Radio. Silver wings upon their chest. These are men, America's best. One hundred men will test today, but only three win the Green Beret. Trained to live off nature's land. Trained in... American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. AVR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific.
countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. Constitutional Crusaders show on the American Voice Radio Network. I'm your host, Emeroy Ben Shadler, constitutional counselor, and still all around pain in the rear end to bureaucrats and petty thugs all over. Today is, well, uh, summer solstice, uh, June 20th, 2016. Longest day of the year, right? Uh, interesting. Hmm. Uh, and of course, their NASA is saying it's going to be the hottest day on, or hottest year on record this year, right? Since when have they been right about anything when it comes to weather? Hmm, yeah, hmm, yeah, hmm, hmm. Anyway, I digress. This is a live call-in show. If you'd like to call in, it's real simple. You just dial 1-800-932-1980, or you may send an instant message directly to your host via Yahoo Instant Messenger ID KC7AQK. That comes directly to me. As is our want, we like to open this show with the wisdom of the ages, otherwise known as the dead white guy quote. We are all born ignorant, but one must work hard to remain stupid, end quote. Now, I've used this before, my friends, but when I was looking at what I was going to do today, I was thinking that, wow, it really appears to me that Benjamin Franklin's comments here have become a challenge rather than a warning to uh, most people out there. And it's and you will understand exactly why I say that when we get into it. Okay, we have 24 pages in our show newsletter, your calls, instant messages, whatever else happens to come across the transom, and we will get to as much of it as possible right after this little disclaimer. Warning, this show may be hazardous to your paradigms if you are a whiny, crying, liberal, pinko, commie bedwetter, an inept, overpaid bureaucrat, or are still mad over 
over Reagan's tax cut. Should you fit into any one of the above categories, immediately have your friends tie you down for some truth therapy. Continue this therapy until you can dismiss your delusions and can deal with reality. If you cannot handle 100% pure, unadulterated truth, this radio show will not be held responsible for your predictable discomfort. Find my mute button so I can unmute the show. There we go. And start going here. Okay. Okay. I'm a little discombobulated today. I apologize. Remember, my friends, my job is very simple. It is to comfort the disturbed and to disturb the comfortable. And I do it the same way you do, by asking questions. And, of course, that means you have to be able to ask and answer those questions. And that's one of the main portions of this show is what questions to even think about to ask. But it doesn't go for nothing. Heck, what are you doing to support this show? Now, I know a lot of you have been telling me about that you're on the monthly support program. I really do appreciate that, but there needs to be more. I'm not hearing enough about this, my friends, for me to be absolutely happy. So get on board with the program. It's not that hard, really, seriously. Okay, Chris Ann Hall. She um, had some interesting points here, and I thought um, it was interesting enough to share with you. So I'm just going to start out with those. Her points to ponder from a day or three ago says, I'm hotter than a firecracker, so please excuse me while my head explodes. What I'm about to post falls into the category of, are you freaking kidding me? She writes and says, we all know Omar Mateen, the Orlando shooting gunman, was raised in an Islamist extremist home. We know that the FBI actually interviewed Omar twice and was watching him as a potential terrorist threat. The New York Times article on that is given. But what we know beyond that is even more disturbing. We know that Omar tried to buy bulk ammo and body armor from a Florida gun shop. We also know that the employees of that gun shop refused to sell to Omar the products he wanted. They felt very suspicious of Omar, so much so that they actually called the FBI to report Omar. What did the FBI do about it? Nothing. As a matter of fact, the FBI says now they have no record of the gun shop calling them. How convenient. Let's see. Who do I trust? The FBI or Florida gun shop owners? Hmm. That's a hard one. Heavy sarcasm. Here's a CBS article on that. Then we also know that Omar's father... Chris Ann Hall continues that Omar's father is running for president of Afghanistan while living in America. Omar's father has his own program called the Duran Jurga Show. The show is aired on a YouTube channel called Payam-e Afghan, a pro-Taliban, anti-American channel broadcasting from, drumroll please, California. Oh, no, wait. It gets better. 
or maybe we should say it gets worse. Omar's father has met with key congressmen in the Foreign Relations Committee to include Representatives Charles Rangel, Dana Rohrbacher, and Ed Royce. Omar's father posted pictures on social media to help us prove all of this to be true. The source also claims that Omar's father has even been to the White House. And to top it all off, Omar's father is publicly open with his support of the Taliban and his hatred for America. All of this supported by Omar's father's own social media, the Daily Mail um, highlights and uh, reports it in this link that I have here. And then she finally concludes. Chris Ann Hall. Let us all add this together. Mm-hmm. Omar Obama says we cannot use the call Omar's actions as militant, yet the protesters in Oregon, they're called militant by the media and Obama administration alike. Remember, those protesters in Oregon never even pointed a gun at anyone. It was the feds that did the shooting in Oregon. Obama and his administration will not label these actions as the product. Oh, we have an instant message here. What do we have here? Um, Oh, okay. Uh, Miss D in Oregon is asking if he supports the Taliban. WTF is he doing in the USA? Very good question. I would come back to you, Miss D, with WTF is BO doing in the White House? I think maybe that might answer your question. Hmm. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be flip here, but it's just, you know, it's the questions that come to my brain instantly. What can I say? Okay, well, B.O. and his administration, speaking of B.O., uh, yeah, whew, wow, boy, yeah, who stinks, right? B.O. and his administration will not label these actions as the products of, quote, radical Islamic extremists, end quote, but... People who go to Tea Party meetings advocate for gun rights, pro-life, pro-immigration laws, pro-liberty, and demand constitutional limits to government? Well, we are openly classified by the DHS as radical right-wing extremists. Omar's father, who runs a web channel broadcast out of California, openly speaks of his love for the Taliban, his hatred for America, gets invitations to meet with key U.S. congressmen, and visits the White House. Chris Ann Hall says, I travel the country, teach the Constitution to Americans because I love America and American liberty, have never, never been invited to meet with key congressmen, have never, ever been to the White House, yet the Southern Poverty Law Center labels her as a, quote, anti-government extremist group, end quote. The FBI knew or should have known that Omar was a serious threat. Our congressman and maybe even the president met with a known terrorist support and likely affiliate, the father of this shooter, and we're supposed to believe that our government didn't know this terrorist act was coming? Hmm. Meanwhile, there are over two dozen Americans being held on no bond in federal prisons for protesting the government's unlawful seizure of state land, and the FBI and our government allow this man to actually terrorize America. Chris Ann Hall says, I will say this again. These Islamic terrorists in America because our government wants them here. These terrorist acts happen in America because our government wants them to happen. This is the textbook case of knowing everything and doing nothing. 
The FBI and DHS are talking about Omar's wife being an accomplice? Hmm. I want these federal agents and congressmen charged with aiding and abetting the enemy. After all, guns don't kill people. It's tyrannical government depriving people of liberty that's fatal. Mm-hmm. Now, <clears throat> Daniel Greenfield, a Shulman journalist, journalism fellow at the Freedom Center, is a New York writer focusing on radical Islam. And he has posted an article mainly aimed at the European audience. But, you know, it's really good for us here, too. So, with that in mind, I'd like to share with you the death of Europe. I've been telling you for a while about all the troubles happening in Europe and why we should be paying attention to them here in the United States. And, of course, for you people in Europe, why you should be uh, mad as hell over your people that are doing things to you over there. And here's more of it, in case you weren't aware of it. Anyway, Daniel Greenfield says how the Muhammad retirement plan will kill Europe. European leaders talk about two things these days. Preserving European values by taking in Muslim immigrants and integrating Muslim migrants into Europe by getting them to adopt European values. It does not occur to them that their plan to save European values depends on killing European values. See, the same European values that require Sweden, a country of less than 10 million, to take in 180,000 Muslim immigrants in one year also expects the new Swedes to celebrate tolerance, feminism, and gay marriage. Instead, European values have filled the cities of Europe with Sharia patrols, unemployed angry men waving ISIS flags, and, oh, just for entertainment, the occasional public act of terror. European countries that refuse to invest money in border security instead find themselves forced to invest money into counterterrorism forces. And those are bad for European values, too. But as Central European countries are discovering, European values don't have much to do with the preservation of viable, functioning European states. Instead, they are all about the sort of static socialism that Bernie Sanders admires from abroad. But even a socialist welfare state requires people to work for a living. Maine's generous welfare policies began collapsing once Somali Muslims swarmed in to take advantage of them. Well, Denmark and the Dutch, among others of Bernie Sanders' role models, have been sounding more like Reagan and less like Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren as of late. Two years ago, for example, the Dutch king declared that, quote, the classic welfare state of the second half of the 20th century in these areas, in particular, brought forth arrangements that are unsustainable in their current form, end quote. Let me say that last part again. They are unsustainable in their current form. Mm-hmm. That same year, 
the Danish finance minister called for, quote, the modernization of the welfare state, end quote. But the problem isn't one of modernization. It's of medievalization. See, 27% of Moroccans, 21% of Turks in the Netherlands are all unemployed. And in Denmark, it's 27% for the Iraqis. And even when employed, their average income is well below the European average. And critics point out that in the past, that in a multicultural America, can't afford the welfare states that European countries have. Now those same countries are turning multicultural, and they can't afford them either. Europe invested in the values of its welfare state, and the Muslim world invested in large families. Europe expects the Muslim world to bail out its shrinking birth rate by working and paying into the system so that its aging population can retire. Well, the Muslim migrants, however, expect Europe to subsidize their large families with its welfare state while they deal some drugs and chop off some heads on the side, you know, just for some entertainment. Once again, European values are in conflict with European survival. The European values that require Europe to commit suicide are about ideology, not language, culture, or nationhood, but the incoming migrants don't share that ideology. They have their own Islamic values. So, why should 23-year-old Muhammad work for four decades so that Hans or Fritz across the way can retire at 61 and lie on a beach in Molokah? Well, the idea that Muhammad would even want to do such a thing out of love for Europe was a silly fantasy that European governments fed their worried citizens. I, the only thing they didn't do, my friends, is trot out some little guy in a white tuxedo pointing up in the sky going, de plane, de plane. That's about the only thing they didn't do. But Muhammad, back to Muhammad, our our our, our stereotypical 23-year-old Muhammad, he doesn't share European values, nor is he likely to take hold of him, no matter how often the aging teachers, who hopes he gets a job and subsidizes their retirement, try to drill them into his head. Europeans expect Muhammad to become a Swede or a German, as if he were some child they had adopted from an exotic country and raised as their own, and work to subsidize their European values. The Muslim migrants are meant to be the retirement plan for an aging Europe. They're supposed to keep its ramshackle collection of economic policies, its welfare states, and social programs rolling along. But they're more like a final solution. See, Mohammed is Fritz's retirement plan. But Mohammed has a very different type of plan. Fritz is counting on Mohammed to work while he relaxes. Meanwhile, Mohammed relaxes and expects Fritz to work. Fritz is not related to him, and therefore Mohammed sees no reason why he should work to support him. See, European social democracy reduces society to a giant insurance plan in which money is pooled together, but insurance is forbidden in Islam, which considers it to be gambling. 
And European social democracy expects him to bail it out. But to Muhammad, European values are a crime against Islam. So Muhammad's imam will tell him to work off the books because paying into the system is gambling. However, taking money out of the system is just jizya. You know, that's the money non-Muslims are obligated to pay Muslims. And under Islamic law, it's better for Muhammad to sell drugs than to pay taxes. That's why drug dealing and petty crime are such popular occupations for Salafis in Europe. It's preferable to steal from infidels than to participate in the great gamble of the European welfare state. So, Muhammad isn't staking his future on the shaky pensions of European socialism. Instead, he invests in what social scientists call social capital. He plans his retirement by having a dozen kids. If this lifestyle is subsidized by infidel social services, so much the better. And when social services collapse, those of his kids who aren't in prison or in ISIS will be there to look after him in his golden years. As retirement plans go, it's older and better than the European model. See, Mohammed doesn't worry much about the future. Even if he doesn't make it past six kids, by the time he's ready to retire, the European country he's living in will probably be an Islamic state. And he's confident that whatever its arrangements are, they will be better than just about more than in the, in, in the infidel system. Mm-hmm. Sweden will take in 180,000 migrants this year. Germany may take in 1.5 million, and most of them will be young men following the Mohammed retirement plan. Uh-huh. Europeans are being assured that the Mohammeds will balance out the demographic disparity of an aging population with too many retirees and too few young workers. But instead, the Mohammeds will put even more pressure on the younger workers who not only have to subsidize their elders, but millions of Mohammeds, their multiple brides, and their 14-child Islamic retirement plans. You see, retirement ages will go further up, and social services for the elderly will be cut. The welfare state will collapse, but it will have to be kept running because the alternative will be major social unrest. See, among the triggers, just for your memory lesson here, among the triggers of the Arab Spring were rising wheat prices and cuts to food subsidies. Prices went up, and the governments fell as street riots turned to civil wars. Imagine a Sweden where 50% of the young male population is Muslim, mostly unemployed, turning into Syria when the economic collapse and the bill comes due. Imagine European Muslim street riots where the gangs take heavy artillery and each ghetto caliph has his own imams and fatwas to back up his claims. Uh-huh. Europe is slowly killing itself in the name of European values. It's trying to protect its economic setup by bankrupting it. European values have become a suicide pact. Its politicians deliver speeches explaining why European values require mass Muslim migration that make as little sense as a lunatic suicide note. See, Islamic values are not compatible with European values. Not only free speech and religious freedom, 
But even the European welfare state is as un-Islamic Muslims have a high birth rate because their approach to the future is fundamentally different than the European one. Europeans have chosen to have few children with many government agencies to take care of them. Muslims choose to have as many children and few government agencies. And the European values so admired by American leftists have no future. So what's the end result? Europe is drinking rat poison to cure a cold. Instead of changing its values, it's trying to maintain them by killing itself. The Mohammed retirement plan won't save European socialism. Nope. It will bury it, my friends. There you go. Daniel Greenfield nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. What can I say? Okay, when we come back from the upcoming break, I'm going to have another one of those see I told you so moments here. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, I'm going to be telling, talking to you about a see I told you so about Patricia Hewitt, the Labor Health Secretary in uh, England. And um, it's not going to be pretty, my friends, because... Well, she's not a very pretty person. What can I say? You know, it's um, it's just just one of those things. You know, it, it comes out, and now of course she's back trying to back up. And oh no, I didn't mean that. Uh huh. Right. And then finally, when, also when we come back, I'm going to tell you about victim blaming. Yeah, victim blaming. You know where the victim is responsible because they brought it on themselves. And who's doing the victim blaming? Well, of course, it's Democrats. Victim blaming people that speak out for liberty, freedom, and the right to assemble peacefully. (gasps) Can't have that. Nope, 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 nope. Nope, can't have that. So you stay tuned. You're listening to the Constitutional Crusader Show on the American Voice Radio Network. Don't you go anywhere. People realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. Studies have 
shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. On the American Voice Radio Network. I'm your host, Emroy Ben Shadler, constitutional counselor, and still all around pain in the rear end to bureaucrats and petty thugs all over. Why? I'll tell you why. Because I do things like this, my friends. It's a see, I told you so. See, I told you that the policies that have been set forth by certain politicians would result in certain activities. And of course, I was scoffed and laughed at by a lot of people who I'm just being paranoid, I'm being delusional, that would never happen, oh no, no, in fact, they still say it even today when the, when the things have come true that I've said, oh, I'm just still being paranoid and delusional, it's just an aberration, they'll say, it's not really the way it's going to go, oh yeah, well here we go, we now have evidence. Evidence has emerged that the views of the pedophile information exchange, otherwise known as PI, influenced policymaking at the National Council for Civil Liberties when it was run by former Labor Health Secretary Patricia Hewitt in, in England, okay? And she said, we can't prove that sex with children does them harm. This is what she said in the 70s. Well, PI members were lobbying the NCCL, that's the National Council for Civil Liberties, NCCL officials for the age of consent to be reduced and campaign for pedophile love. 
Mm-hmm. Their view that children were not harmed by having sex with adults uh, appears to have been adopted by those at the top of the civil liberties group. Today, now, now fast forwarding from the 70s to today, we publish extracts from an NCCL report written for the Criminal Law Revision Committee in 1976 when Ms. Hewitt was general secretary. It says, quote, where both partners are aged 10 or over, but under 14, a consenting sexual act should not be an offense. As the age of consent is arbitrary, we propose an overlap of two years on either side of 14. Furthermore, they said, quote, childhood sexual experiences willingly engaged in with an adult result in no identifiable damage. The Criminal Law Commission should be prepared to accept the evidence from follow-up research on child victims, quote-unquote, which show there is little subsequent effect after a child has been molested, quote-unquote. Continuing on, they say the real need is a change in the attitude which assumes that all cases of pedophilia result in lasting damage. And finally, they conclude with, the present legal penalties are too high and reinforce the misinformation and prejudice. The duty of the court should be to inquire into all the relevant circumstances with the intention, not of meeting out severe punishment, but of determining the best solution in the interests of both the child and the pedophile, end quote. Well... I, if I need to remind you, well, maybe I would do, so I will. Miss Hewitt, age 65, was general secretary between 1974 and 1983, and after days of intense pressure, the former labor MP for Lancaster West finally admitted last week that the NCCL, NCCL, yeah, was naive and wrong over its ties to pie. She said, any suggestion that I supported or condoned the vile crimes of child abusers is completely untrue. She said, as the NCCL archives demonstrate, I consistently distinguished between consenting relationships between homosexual men on the one hand and the abuse of children on the other. And then finally she said, when Jack Dromey, as NCCL chairman in 1976, vigorously opposed Pi at the NCCL uh, meeting, he did so with the full support of the executive committee and myself as general secretary, end quote. Well, Labor MP Dromey's opposition to Pi has been questioned by his former chairman, convicted pedophile Tom O'Carroll, who claims he felt welcome at NCCL meetings where he sat on the gay rights subcommittee. Mr. O'Carroll said, quote, while they did not like pie and did nothing to support our objectives, they were afraid of appearing insufficiently right on. Consequently, there was nothing like as strenuous in public in their efforts to distance themselves from pie as they are now claiming. Dromi is quoted as saying, I was at the forefront of repeated public condemnations of pie and their despicable views. Well, that's news to me. Maybe by public he meant imprecations muttered to cronies at his local pub, end quote. 
Mm. Trummy's wife, Harriet Harmon, deputy leader of the Labor Party, was legal officer at the NCCL between 78 and 82, and she has expressed her regret over NCCL's involvement with Pi, but has pointedly declined to apologize. Well, now, my friends, decades later, she comes out, Patricia Hewitt comes out, and she says she was duped. I was duped, she said. But look where her duping has led us. Former cabinet minister Patricia Hewitt has said that the organization to which she and former labor colleague Harriet Herman belonged was, quote, naive and wrong, end quote, to accept the assurances of a pedophile group that it was a campaigning and counseling organization. Hewitt said that as general secretary of the National Council for Civil Liberties, in the 70s, she took responsibility for the mistakes that were made and apologized for having, quote, got it wrong, end quote, on the pedophile information exchange. The two organizations were affiliated for eight years from 1975 to 1983. And in her first public statement since the scandal came to light earlier this year, Hewitt said, I got it wrong on Pi and I apologize for having to do so stating that the NCCL in the 1970s, along with many others, was naive and wrong to accept Pi's claim to be that counseling organization. And she says, I take responsibility for the mistakes we made, saying I should have urged the executive community to take stronger measures to protect the NCCL's integrity from the activities of Pi members and sympathizers, and I deeply regret not having done so. However, she rejected claims that she had condoned the vile crimes of child abusers, and her final words of self-defense were, although the evil of child sexual abuse is now properly recognized, as a society we still have a long way to go in protecting children, tackling the sexualization of girls, and supporting the survivors of sexual abuse, I hope the lessons that are being learned from the mistakes of the 70s will contribute to these goals, end quote. Yeah, well, about that, Miss Hewitt. 70, 80, 90, 2010, and, and we're going on now, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, um, 50 some odd years. Hello. Uh, hmm, hmm. Uh, I don't believe you. I'm sorry. I don't believe you, Miss Hewitt. The thing is, is that actions have consequences, and now we have 45, going on 50 years of policies that you helped instigate. How long will it take to reverse them? Mm-hmm. That's what I want to know. How long will it take to reverse them? It took 50, almost 50 years to get these things in place. And now you want to backtrack and say, oh, I really wasn't involved like that. I really wasn't involved. Oh, no, 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 no. You, you misunderstood. Uh-huh. Right. Oh, looks like we have another instant message. Let's see what we got here. Open up this window and what we got here. Oh, it's Miss D again. If they're so against these policies, are they actively working against the Islamization of the USA? Well, no, I am talking about 
you know, the, the people over in England, you know, across the pond from us. But it's the same sort of thing here. It's happening here in, in the USA. These things are happening, and people just don't give a rat's rear end about them. What can I say, Miss D? You know, it's, it's the same sort of thing. That's why I'm bringing it up, even though I'm talking about England, and, and I talked about Europe, you know, a lot here. I talk about them because it becomes an example of what you're going to be seeing happening here or are seeing here just in a different context, okay? Now, <clears throat> victim blaming. Oh, victim blaming. Oh, yes. How many times have we heard feminists and others talk about we can't do victim blaming because that's a really terrible, evil, awful thing. Oh, but only when it applies to them. Nah, when they do it, oh, no victim blaming is a wonderful thing. Yep, my friends. You remember those little protests in San Diego a couple weeks ago? Well, I've been meaning to talk to you about this, but other things have come up, so I've been putting it off and putting it off, and I'm done putting it off. Here, I'm going to talk about it now. Silence is consent, posted here. For a long time, even though my disagreement with the Democrats was vehement, I always maintained some level of respect and assumption that their opinions, wrong as they are, were argued and found on good faith. Whether you like them or not, whether you're sufficiently conservative or not, the way Democrats have conducted themselves in reaction to the candidacy of Donald Trump has changed all that. The childishness and temper tantrums the left are throwing over him are as revealing as they are appalling. Democrats are the ones ruining this country and tearing it apart. Trump is just the smokescreen that they are using to accomplish that end. Like with B.O.'s prevarication while discussing the violence against Trump supporters in San Jose, the mayor of that city, Sam Licardo, not so coincidentally a huge Hillary supporter, is blaming the victims instead of going after the guilty parties, saying, quote, at some point, Donald Trump needs to take responsibility for the irresponsible behavior of his campaign, Licardo told the AP afterwards, saying, quote, it is regrettable that this has become a pattern for cities hosting Mr. Trump across the nation, end quote. Yeah, this coming from Democrats who side on, oh boy, I scrolled a little too far, who side um, on the who wag their finger at, yeah, they, they wag their finger at conservatives for a decade about how war is not the answer when terrorists blew up 3,000 of our fellow Americans. War was not the answer to an act of war, but beating up people for wearing a Trump t-shirt or holding a Trump sign is totally understandable. Meanwhile, the San Jose Police Department basically let it all happen for fear of making things worse which actually misses the point of what allowing mob rule to go unabated is what actually makes things worse. Here's the statement from the San Jose Police Department. The San Jose Police Department made four arrests for incidents that included assault with deadly weapon and unlawful assembly. A statement from the department said police were reluctant to wade into the protest because they feared their presence might make things worse. 
While several physical assaults did occur, the police personnel on scene had the difficult task of weighing the need to immediately apprehend the suspects that the possibility that police action involving the use of physical force under the circumstances would further incite the crowd and produce more violent behavior. Wow! Wow! What can I say, my friends? Even Hillary KKK Clinton, who likes Obama as an alkalite of Sololinsky and raised in the very Marxism we're seeing pushed in politics and at the grassroots level via the violence we're witnessing now, is victim-blaming. Of course, she has to, because she can't shine the light on the roaches doing her and other leftist bidding. She said, quote, he created an environment in which it seems to be acceptable for someone running for president to be inciting violence, to be encouraging his supporters. Clinton said, now we're seeing people, she said, who are against him responding in kind. You know, my friends, this would be a national scandal. If there was a shred of honesty left in journalism, But between Brian Williams and Katie Couric's dishonest documentary that included that edited interview with gun owners I told you about a week or three ago that made them look stumped by her questions when they weren't, this is the brave new world in America. See, exercising your First Amendment rights while being right of center is now a life-threatening proposition. (laughs) Welcome, my friends, to the new reality. Here we are. Mm -hmm. The deliberate stupiding down of America. Yeah, not just dumbing down, just outright stupid. You can cure dumb with education. It's real hard to fix stupid really seriously. Like I said, remember the quote I did, you know? We are all born ignorant. One must work hard to remain stupid. Yep, Benjamin Franklin was right on there. And speaking of stupidity, as you know, my friends, your host has railed long and hard over the racist nature of the minimum wage. Well... There's even more reason to be upset over the minimum wage because the minimum wage is the eugenicist's favorite economic regulation. How, you may be asking? I'm so glad you asked that question. You see, what to do with George? You know, George, your dear progressive friend who stoutly defends the minimum wage? Well, one idea is to point out how it excludes low-productivity workers from jobs. You know, to the smart-alecky supposition that monosopy is widespread and so the minimum wage raises employment, like Cafe Hayek's Don Budor has challenged George to pick up the unlimited profits implied by the opposition. Yeah, no dice so far. Mm-hmm. Well, another idea for George, you know, that liberal friend, 
is to try to explain the difference between the minimum wage, which interferes with voluntary deals, and a minimum income, which economists such as Milton Friedman and James Tobin have proposed. And if you don't like the income that poor people have, well then, tax yourself to give them money. Don't make it impossible for them to get employment by making it illegal to offer them the amount that their labor is worth. Yeah. But in his elegant and persuasive book, Illiberal Reformers, the Princeton economist Thomas C. Leonard presents a third idea. Tell George, tell him where the minimum wage came from. After all, George likes to use the historical argument that the Industrial Revolution was caused by exploiting workers, and George thinks that we got rich subsequently by struggling against the exploitation. Yeah. Well, as a, a blog site known as 1066 and all that put it, they said, quote, many remarkable discoveries and inventions were made in the early 19th century, and most remarkable among these discoveries made by all those rich men in England is that w women and children could work for 25 hours a day without making any of them die or become excessively deformed. Now, of course, I'd like to know how they could work for 25 hours a day, but I digress. And this was, of course, labeled as the Industrial Revolution. But it's mistaken. So you see, no matter, George clearly believes a history is relevant to the assessment of a present result. So that's why George believes things like a t working 25 hours a day. George, clue. There's 24 hours in the day, so how can you work 25, huh? Okay, all right. Back to seriousness and reality. That means we have to leave George behind. But Leonard shows in detail that the minimum wage arose in the early 20th century as a progressive policy designed to screw low-wage workers. Designed. Designed, my friends. And unlike many other laws designed to achieve a result, for example, protective tariffs designed to enrich America, use this as an example, the minimum wage achieved what it was after. See, at first, minimum wage was in Victoria, Australia. That's where the first minimum wage was proposed, my friends, in 1894. But it quickly spread to other places. See, the minimum wage, writes Leonard in his book, was the holy grail of American progressive labor reform. And a who's who of progressive economists and their reform allies championed it. See, the inability to command a wage 50% above the going unskilled rate would keep out the riffraff. In a site saying, quote, removing the inferior from work benefited society by protecting American wages and Anglo-Saxon racial purity, end quote. Are you getting it, my friends, yet? You see why I say minimum wage is a eugenics program? He goes on. 
or I should say the British socialist Sidney Webb goes on by saying, of all ways of dealing with these unfortunate parasites, uh-huh, the most ruinous to the community is to allow them to unrestrainedly compete as wage earners, end quote. That's what Sidney Webb said in 1912, you see. So what has become of them? When the minimum wage excluded them from employment, well, Henry Rogers Seeger, a progressive economist at Columbia, gave in 1913 the usual reply saying, if we are to maintain a race that is to be made up of capable, efficient, and independent individuals and family groups, we must courageously cut off lines of heredity that have been proved to be undesirable by isolation or sterilization, end quote. Yeah, you see where this is going, my friends? You thought the minimum wage was about people living and and being able to support themselves? No! It's about eugenics, my friends. It's about cutting people off, not including them. The minimum wage is exclusive policy, not an inclusive policy. Again, my friends, we have been duped in our educational, and I say educational with heavy sarcasm, our educational programs that have been so busy teaching us that up is down, left is right, and black is white, to the point where we actually start believing these things. We believe that inflation is bad and or that inflation is is good and deflation is bad. It's just the opposite, my friends. You want uh, you want your money to be worth more because that allows you to buy more. But inflation does the opposite of that. So you know you're told that's good, but it's bad. You're, it's just the opposite. Everything is the opposite. So <laughs> what can I say? By 1919, carrying on with the timeline here in the few more seconds we have, 15 American states had enacted minimum wages focused especially on women. In the UK, a minimum wage supported by Sidney and Beatrice Webb was instituted in 1907. And back in the United States, E.L. Godkin of The Nation had articulated the now libertarian complaint that the minimum wage is a bad interference in what workers are worth and that if income is undignified taxpayers should make it up well the present day readers of the nation among them george our liberal friend would not agree In 1923, the Supreme Court decision in Adkins versus Children Hospital briefly challenged the doctrine that it's good and proper purpose of public policy to prevent the allegedly inferior, you know, women, blacks, immigrants from Eastern and Southern Europe and the third generation of imbeciles from having a job. But in 1938, a non-packed court reversed itself and acceded to the federal minimum for men and women. Yeah. It's race suicide, my friends. When people are voting for minimum wage, that's exactly what they're voting for. Race suicide. 
And I'll tell you more about it on the other side of the break because it really is that important, my friends, to understand just how racist and eugenics, eugenicized the minimum wage is. It really is that bad, my friends. And it's actually worse than you thought, okay? Because <laughs> it, 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 the history has been covered up. What can I say? You've been taught a lie. You've been taught all these things. And, and our liberal friend George is our example. He sucks them up and believes them all. Meanwhile, most of you that are listening to this, by now, if you didn't before you started listening, sit and question things. You're listening to the Constitutional Crusader Show on the American Voice Radio Network. Don't you go anywhere. We will be right back. you about the only truly natural dog and cat food I have found anywhere. Most all companies add a synthetic vitamin mineral pack to their dry or kibble food. Nature's logic is different. With all natural ingredients and nothing man-made added, their owner, Scott Freeman, worked for another pet food company but decided he wanted to do things right. So he started Nature's Logic. You can check them out at natureslogic.com. You will find online and local stores where you can find their products. I spent a lot of time trying to find an all-natural pet food, and Nature's Logic was the only one out there. Give your pets the best and check out naturelogic.com. Your pets will be glad you did. They also have many other natural pet products to try. shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific.
prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Warning. If you're here to feel good about government, if you believe that people in office actually care about your well-being, if you believe that statutes and codes are God's gift to man, this show is not for you. If you believe NBC, CNN, Faux News, and the like actually report real news, this show is not for you. This... is the proper place where those beliefs need disposal of. So if you decide to stick around, this show will not be responsible for your mental instability. If you're brave enough to call in, this is your warning. You best bring facts to the discussion. And welcome back to the Constitutional Crusader Show, where it's still Monday, June 20th, 2016. It is the 4 o'clock hour here on the left coast. If you're listening in some other time zone, obviously you're going to have to adjust your clocks accordingly. This is a live calling show. Calling in is not necessary. Thinking, however, is we, of course, do give that exemption to the members of Media Matters and the Southern Poverty Law Center, as well as those government agents that are paid to listen to this show, because after all, if we required them to think, it would create a hostile work environment. We don't want to be responsible for that. If you'd like to call in, it's real simple, 1-800-932-1980, or you may send an instant message via Yahoo Instant Messenger ID KC7AQK, and that comes directly to me. We left off in the last half hour talking about a different aspect of the minimum wage. And this is really important, my friends, because for years I have been railing and telling you about how racist and discriminatory, etc., the minimum wage is. But this new book that's out by Mr. Leonard exposes and goes very deeply into the eugenics roots of the minimum wage. And the more I read on it, the more I was like, oh, my, uh, right, uh, I, I knew this. It was all things I, I read them, and I went, I know this. I just never said the word eugenics in relation to the minimum wage before. So I was like, wow, why didn't I? Uh, well, mainly because it's probably because such a charged word, maybe, possibly, you see, what the minimum wage is all about is a race to the bottom. Yeah, it's, it's, it's meant, well, 
meant well, you know, by well-meaning people, you know, like Labor Secretary Robert Reich and Harvard Professor Michael Sandel. But not only on the left, you see, the economic growth started in Northwestern Europe that has often been spun into a theory of racial superiority of the Saxons, despite the crushing evidence that highly non-Saxon folks, such as the Chinese and the Indians, that if they adopt libertarian principles, they can do it too. And this has been shown, my friends, as I have shown you over and over again in economic uh, growth zones where you uh, eliminate things like minimum wage, you eliminate taxes on businesses so they can start up and such, and watch what happens to the economic growth in those areas when you turn them into economic enterprise zones. Wow! They really take it and run with it, my friends. So this whole idea of, of an inferior race is bogus bohunk when, you're, when you allow people to be free and run their own lives without government interference. Well, back to the eugenics idea. The minimum wage was the easiest to administer of a host of eugenic principles and proposals put forward a century ago, such as oriental exclusion, the oldest, literacy tests, you know, like Jim Crow, voter registration, head taxes, and outlawing of contract labor, celibate labor colonies, deportation, restrictive union rules, and sterilization. But in the end, fully 30 states had forcible sterilization laws, Indiana being the pioneer in 1907. Democratic Governor Woodrow Wilson signed New Jersey's law in 1911, and it was not Nazi Germany that led the way. Nope. Progressive Norway and Sweden down to 1970 sterilized more people as a percentage of their population. American <clears throat> progressivism was part of a worldwide rejection of laissez-faire, briefly regnant among the clerisy of artists, intellectuals, journalists, professionals, and bureaucrats in the mid-19th century. But by the late 19th century, notes the historian Jurgen Konka, saying, quote, capitalism was no longer thought to be a carrier of progress, end quote. See, the ethical case against capitalism, quote unquote, was summarized by Reverend H.H. H. Williams of Oxford writing on ethics in the 11th edition of the Encyclopedia Britannica in 1910, saying, quote, the failure of laissez-faire individualism in politics to produce that common prosperity and happiness which it advocates, hope that its advocates hoped for, caused men to question the egoistic basis upon which its ethical counterpart was constructed, end quote. Yeah, even in 1910, Reverend Williams' mistake was factual. Trade-tested betterment had by then 
begun to yield common prosperity and happiness, yet the clerisy such as Williams had long since turned against the bourgeoisie and its doctrine of spontaneous order, and according to the progressives, who are disproportionately the children of Protestant preachers, laissez-faire was too slow in its eugenic effects, and amorally so, by rewarding market-tested betterment, which the progressives such as Thorstein Veblen regarded as a wholly irrelevant guide to social efficiency. Therefore, the progressives wanted to speed up social evolution and moralize it and engineer it, you know, such as in Prohibition, yeah, they wanted in short to, quote, interfere on behalf of the really fittest, as argued by progressive writer Herbert Crowley, who later turned against social engineering a little late and a little too old. But one of the numerous problems with such engineering lies in the phrase really fittest. How do you know? A defect now may turn out to be an advantage later. See, in Darwin's theory, you know what works only after the event. The alleged inferiority of people with sub-Saharan African blood, for example, is about to be radically embarrassed. The genetic variability of such people means that when laissez-faire has raised their income to European levels... The world's leading mathematicians, entrepreneurs, novelists, musicians, and athletes will have high levels of skin melanin. Very, very possible, my friends. Very, very possible. It's amazing what happens when you allow people to be free and you allow them to be educated rather than endumcated, my friends. So... Now, skipping forward a hundred years, the word liberal is now a word that libertarians can seize back. Why? Because their friend, you know, that liberal friend George, he's fled it in favor of progressive. And liberal, in its very classical term, means equality both before the law and in social hierarchy. Remember, my friends, in the early days of this country, you know, like when a little war was going on, a little kerfuffle, if you will, between the British and the American colonists. You you may have heard of it, you know. And, you know, such... Ne'er do wells as Jefferson and Adams and and the like, you know. The, the, the today, you look at the classic meaning of liberal, and that's exactly what they were. They wanted equality both before the law and in social hierarchy, and they were very liberal, especially compared to the status quo ante that was going on. Uh, all around them in the world, enforced mainly by England. So, so, what happens? The progressives in the United States today, well, they favored inequality and 
and in hierarchies in all directions, you know, such as race, class, gender, IQ, expertise, and wages. After all, no one who reads The Progressive can doubt their illiberality, there we go, Read any dozen pages of Leonard's book, and the true liberal will weep. Why? It is well known, Leonard notes, that modern liberalism permanently demoted economic liberties. Then for good measure, in aid of a eugenic program, the progressives assaulted political and civil liberties too. The right to open a shop was hedged by zoning and building codes because, after all, economic rights are trivial. And then the right to make a wage bargain or to keep one's income or to keep one's property was similarly restricted in furtherance of the general will. No problem. Eminent domain and civil forfeiture. Hurrah! You see where it leads, my friends? I know. I'm talking about the past, and I'm talking about the present, and I'm showing what I'm trying to do here, and I hope I'm doing it, I think I'm doing it, is showing you how the policies of the past, they're coming to, well, as the old saying goes, the chickens are coming home to roost. And now we're seeing it. So, today, my friends... Let's talk about today. The greatest threat is not, in, at least in the United States here, my friends, really, seriously. The greatest threat is not terrorism or global warming, ha, 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 or the race to the bottom or a low minimum wage or, or America's decline. No, the greatest threat is youth joblessness worldwide. Seriously, my friends, because that's exactly what minimum wage encourages, youth joblessness. Unemployment, here's a scary number for you, my friends. Unemployment was 47% among young black men in Chicago in 2015. Greece and Spain and South Africa show equally stunning statistics, and unemployment is not caused by insufficient aggregate demand or by inadequate education. The policy excuses of progressives nowadays, as in 1910, no, the problem has been that all manner of job protection for the middle-aged, the impossibility in South Africa, for example, to fire anyone once they are employed, well, it has extended the progressive list of unemployables from immigrants, blacks, women, and the handicapped to now youth. And as Eric Hoffer, the San Francisco dock worker, worker and sage argued in The True Believer, Here's words to scare the crap out of you, my friends. He said, it is the unemployed young men who constitute the stormtroopers and communist cadres. There's something to think about, my friends. It's happened time and time again. All you have to do is look at history. Open up your eyes and see what the heck has happened in the past. And you see that we are being primed and set up for it to happen all over again. Does that make you, does that make you comfortable? Does it make you uncomfortable? 
Is what I'm saying uncomfortable? Is it is it itching on you? Is it grating on you? Because, gee, I'm not talking about really happy things. Good. Because it wasn't meant to make you comfortable. It's meant to make you uncomfortable because sometimes that's the only way to get your mind to move is to make it uncomfortable. And it was uncomfortable sharing it with you for crying out loud. Because, well, I'm really afraid of one thing. I'm afraid of that if I live long enough of coming back and saying several years from now, see, I told you so. And I really don't want to do that on this subject. Seriously. Okay. As you may have heard in the news, there was a little shooting down in Orlando. And as you may have heard in the news several years ago, there was supposedly a shooting in Newton, Massachusetts, at a place they called Sandy Hook Elementary School. Now, what do these two things have in common, my friends? Well, it seems like both of them were staged events. There are YouTube videos that supposedly, uh, uh, multiple videos people took with their cell phones of supposedly victims being carried out of the Pulse nightclub, but people that live in the area looked at these videos and went, wait a second, there's this business and this business and this business. The flow of injured was not out of the Pulse nightclub, but into the Pulse nightclub and things like that. And other eyewitnesses, like eyewitnesses saying that the emergency exits were blocked by armed men, and there were multiple shooters inside. Hmm. Well, there is now a $1 trillion lawsuit filed against the mainstream media for staging Sandy Hook. In another shocking twist in the Sandy Hook saga, filmmaker and author William Brandon Shanley launches... Oh, we have an instant message. I missed this yellow flashing dot. Let's see what we got here. Um, uh, Connecticut. Connecticut. Oh, shoot. I said Massachusetts. Sorry, I just realized that. Oops. Yeah, yes, uh, yes. Sandy Hook in Connecticut. Dang, how did I do that? Uh, sorry, I apologize. Okay, in another shocking twist in the Sandy Hook saga, filmmaker and author William Brandon Shanley launches wave of lawsuits for more than $1 trillion against big media over the Sandy Hook massacre coverage. Here is his statement, quote, after exhaustive research, the good news is that overwhelming evidence indicates and reveals that no children or teachers died at Sandy Hook two years ago. For relief, I have filed lawsuits against the media in U.S. District Court in New Haven for fraud and terrorism. 
Here is an example of our abundance evidence. Exhibit D, the Connecticut State Police dash cam records. No evacuation of children from school at critical moments. The smoking gun evidence that no children died at Sandy Hook. I have the links for it all here, my friends. Red Flag News reports it this way. Mr. Shanley is the producer of the made-for-TV election starring Martin Sheen that analyzed media coverage in the tectonic Carter-Reagan elections of 1980. He is also the author of books on quantum physics, including Alice and the Quantum Cat. Dr. James Fetzer, whose 35 articles on Sandy Hook for Veterans Today qualify him for the highest investigative journalism awards, and school safety consultant Wolfgang Halbig, whose investigative expertise as a former Florida State police officer and loving attention as a former principal, make this case's particulars comprehensible to all and will be called as expert witnesses. Mr. Shanley's complaint states, in part, defendants entered into a multi-year conspiracy, meeting in groups separately and together to commit fraud and terrorism, i.e. to brainwash the public into thinking a lone gunman drill known as the Sandy Hook Massacre was real, when in fact it was a staged FEMA national-level exercise event that redirected government resources to terrorize the public. These crimes were undertaken with the intent of subverting the U.S. Constitution and to affect national, state, and local laws. This fraud involved lying to the public, faking news, publishing one-sided news reports, censoring reality, suppressing facts, and deliberately skewing the news to shift public perceptions. The true cost of this breach of integrity and trust to society are unfathomable. Instead of fulfilling their constitutional role as the people's surrogates and being honest brokers of information, the plaintiff will show how the men and women who dominate the TV news industry in the United States broke laws, besmirched the First Amendment, their constitutional role as government watchdogs, and forfeited the right to report the news and thereby profit from news production and distribution. The sine qua non of journalism is the search for truth. Our fourth estate chose a different path. Punitive damages of one year's annual revenue from each defendant are being sought to establish a news trust that will free journalism, and restore trust and integrity in our communication sources. A democracy cannot survive this tyranny over human consciousness. The New York Times, the Associated Press, the Hartford Courant, and the Newton Bee are being sued for $10 billion U.S. dollars, punitive damages in separate complaints. The case names, if you would like to follow them, my friends, are Shanley versus Smith et al., 
case number 3-14-CV-01881.JAM 0181 and the Mass TV and Wires Service News Media are being sued for $1 trillion U.S. dollars, punitive damages, and that's Shanley versus Oprey et al. And the case number is just about the same, uh, except after the CV, it's 01929-JAM. So, yeah, interesting. I'm wondering how long it will be before we have a similar lawsuit over the Orlando Pulse shooting, my friends. Hmm, just a thought. Okay, uh, real fast, let's see if we can get them all in here before we go here. Five links of interest. First one, number five, while Sanders is no longer actively campaigning, his campaign remains active because he has not suspended it. And thus Sanders continues to receive up to 38 grand a day in Secret Service protection. And the federal government burns through a billion dollars approximately every 150 minutes. The, so by comparison, the money spent on Sanders is chump change. However, whenever a pollutician talks about cutting spending to the bone, remember things like this, my friends. 38 grand a day for Secret Service protection for Sanders when he isn't being threatened by anyone and he isn't campaigning anymore. Hmm. Number four, for all those shrill calls for gun control, this is what is happening in China. While an Islamo-fascist and his comrades shot up a nightclub in Orlando, what happened? An attack by knife-wielding men at the railway station in Kuming in the southwest China has left at least 29 dead. The state news agency Zhonda says another 130 people were wounded in what authorities said was a premeditated, violent terrorist attack. Yep, all done by machete-wielding men. Uh-huh. Number three. Um, you know, I've been a big railer on civil asset forfeiture. Well, the Oklahoma Highway Patrol evidently has taken civil asset forfeiture on steroids. They have introduced a device called the Electronic Recovery and Access to Data, ERAM, they call it, that allows police officers to seize money in your bank account or on prepaid cards. State police began using 16 of these machines last month, and now the police have become literal highway robbers. This makes the traffic cops in Russia, who you can bribe to go away if they pull you over for a speeding ticket, as far more civilized arrangement. And here in Oklahoma, they can rob you of everything. Yep, open up your wallet. Oh, you got a, a debit card? Well, we're going to see what you have in your savings and checkings account through it, and we're going to seize it right here and now, every last dime, and that's what they're doing. And number two, Obama, we are to blame, not Islamic terrorism for the massacre. Yep, that's what he said. And finally, number one, from Breitbart, headline, Mr. President, you disgust me. <laughs> you'll love it, my friends. Trust me, you'll love it. Okay. 
Uh, I thought so. That's what I thought. Okay. You're listening to the Constitutional Crusader Show on the American Voice Radio Network. Don't you go anywhere. We will be right back. from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water.
Welcome back to the Constitutional Crusader Show on the American Voice Radio Network. I'm your host, M. Roy Ben Shadler, constitutional counselor and still all around pain in the rear end of bureaucrats and petty thugs all over. It's now time, my friends, for our critical thinking segment. I have a meme in front of my in front of me, my friends. It shows uh, a crashed car, you know, a, a car that's used in a in a crash test. So it's got all the little stickers and markers on it, you know, to to show how much it's crumpled and how the airbags deployed, and you know, all that good stuff. You've seen pictures like this before, and the picture happens to be of a Prius, and the headline of the meme reads: "Deaths per one hundred thousand guns." 10.3, Prius, 14.5, demand a plan to end Prius death. There's your critical thinking segment, my friends. Those of you who are capable of critical thinking will understand. Those of you who are not capable will go be scratching your head and go, huh, what do you mean by that? I don't get it. Huh? I need someone to feed me. Yes, exactly. You get the idea there, my friends. Okay. Uh, my phone cord has become tangled up here. Uh, uh, oh, boy. Hang on a second here. There we go. Do this. Oh, there we go. Wow. How did it get so dang tangled up? I don't know how that happens. Oh, the fun things we go through in life here, my friends. Uh, there we go. Untangle. Oh, man. I'm going to do something about this when the show is over. There we go. Uh, okay. It is now time. For the Roy's School of Guerrilla Lawfare, L-A-W, learn and win through a better education. This is the portion of the show where we try to turn off the instant messages, we try to turn off the phones, and we try and focus on something that's going to either be important to your personal social life or to your political life or uh, constitutionally relevant. We try and mix it all in there together and present you with ideas and such to make your life better. Well, Today, I'm going to talk about the Bill of Rights. Specifically, I'm going to ask the question, what part of the Second Amendment is so hard to understand? Yep. You see, the Second Amendment is completely misunderstood by half the country. No, seriously, my friends. Seriously, people who would never dream of challenging the meaning of freedom of speech or the right to be free from search and seizure assume all sorts of imaginary limitations to the right to keep and bear arms, limitations that, upon thoughtful consideration, would be detrimental to the nation's health and safety. Others have written whole books on the subject, but for those who don't need a whole book, just a quick clarification. Well, here it is, my friends, part by part. Let's start with the whole thing. A well-regulated militia being necessary for the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. You see, the Second Amendment as part of the Bill of Rights, so let's start by remembering what the Bill of Rights was. In the days of our founding, we were part of the British Empire. 
A limited monarchy in which the monarch had gone off the rails and forgotten, well, he actually consciously circumvented, would be near the mark, most of his limits. Our founders, therefore, set up constitutions for each of their respective colonies and added bills of rights to each of them, sometimes passing their bills of rights first because they viewed these as being more important than, say, how many senators they had or how long a judge's term should be. So, let's go back to the summer of 1787. In designing a national government for the United States, the Constitutional Convention of 1787 debated whether to include such a list in this final document as well. Many of the delegates had arrived in Philadelphia, George Mason in particular is the foremost champion of such things, with a natural expectation that such inclusion was a foregone conclusion. But the framers made the conscious decision not to do so for a very good reason. A Bill of Rights is a wall built around things that you don't want the government to get at when the government is otherwise able to get at anything else. An otherwise unrestricted government needs to be told point blank. These things are off limits to you. Our framers, however, were writing a constitution. The Constitution was a wall not built around the things that are off-limits for their protection, but around the government so that it could not expand beyond its enumerated powers. The Constitution was itself, by its very nature, even better than a Bill of Rights because if the government can't expand beyond the seven articles of enumerated powers, then you don't need a list of what's off-limits. By definition, everything else is off-limits. So the framers decided, almost unanimously, that a Bill of Rights would be counterproductive in this document. It would send a mixed message. On the one hand, the first seven articles would say the national government can't exceed these bounds. And then on the other hand, a Bill of Rights would say, but on the off chance that it does exceed these bounds, here are several excesses that are really, really off limits, and we really mean it here. The framers therefore decided that a Bill of Rights in this contents would be schizophrenic, and they voted it down losing the endorsement of the great George Mason as a result. Then came the ratification debates of 1787 to 1788. When the framers returned to their respective states to pursue ratification, they found that this explanation was too complicated to make in the public square and found that most states would simply refuse to ratify without a Bill of Rights. So, the leading Federalists, the supporters of the Constitution, agreed, state by state, to ratify only on the condition that a Bill of Rights would be added, thinking that it would be no serious loss to the logical strength of the Constitution. That choice is debatable to this day, but... As the Constitution would not have been ratified without the agreement, it's probably moot. The Constitution was ratified. The new government was elected and installed, and during President Washington's first term, the first ten amendments were added as a Bill of Rights. Some argue 
that there's a special order of importance to the Bill of Rights, but that too is a stretch. The first is no more important than the tenth. The fifth, no less important than the second. Rather, the founders organized them in what they considered to be the logical range of the kind of threats of which they feared a future government capable in a manner that seemed sensible. The first and last of the ten are logical bookends for the group, beginning with the rights to free speech, assembly, and religion, and closing with the fact that these ten are not our only rights, but that in fact, any choices not specifically given to the government in the first seven articles is reserved to the states and the people. So, don't think that the Second Amendment is second most important freedom, less important than free speech, and more important than the ban on government confiscation of private property found three amendments later. No, all ten are equal, all ten make up a clear reminder that the government is severely limited in its activities and powers, limited in fact to those specifically mentioned in the first seven articles, that is, the seven articles of the Constitution. So, let's tear apart the Second Amendment bit by bit, clause by clause, and see what it really says. The first clause, a well-regulated militia. That's the first clause of the Second Amendment, and it's probably the most commonly misunderstood. The word militia conjures up the idea of a military. It shares the same root, after all, but it is, in fact, the opposite of a military. In the summer of 1775, George Washington, a member of the Continental Congress representing Virginia, was commissioned as a general and sent to command the Patriot forces at Boston, then in its seventh year of martial law under the British governor. Washington was amazed to discover that most of our troops, farmers, ranchers, handymen, had minimal experience with weapons. They needed basic training at a time when their nation had neither time nor funds to provide it. A dozen years later, the framers recollected this experience and the many difficulties involved in teaching patriots to handle arms in case of war. They decided to ensure that such problems never arose again. So they established an expectation that the public must always be ready to take up arms as needed, whether that means a posse of civilians deputized to hunt down a killer in the Wild West, or a locally raised platoon to defend a town from invaders, or one or two members of a family defending the family farm from a band of thugs, or the townsfolks banding together to overthrow a corrupt or tyrannical territorial governor. The people must be ready for the event. They cannot be expected to learn on the fly. So, the militia, as cited in the Second Amendment, is therefore, quote, the civilian citizenry, end quote. The founders meant for it to cover all law-abiding citizens, all free Americans, the term had a couple of different legal meanings over the years. It was specifically defined by federal statute in the 1790s, for example, as all free men between the age of 18 and 45. 
that definition would change and expand as women gained property rights and voting rights, and as the evil of slavery was finally ended, etc. But the underlying basic fact remains. In this context, the militia refers to the civilian citizenry. When they say a well-regulated militia, then, they're making a distinction between a bunch of citizens who can be called on to collect arms from a local armory at a moment's notice, willing but perhaps not able, and a bunch of citizens who are already accustomed to the handling of arms. Like our friends in Switzerland and Israel today, our founders expected our civilians to be armed, to have their own stores of weapons and ammunition at home, and to be experienced through their use, to be helpful if needed in any struggle. Just drafting a kid at 18 and putting a gun in his hands for the first time was to be avoided at all costs. The early years of the Wars of Independence were a nightmare because of this. They never wanted that experience to be repeated. The purpose of the Second Amendment was to ensure that if this 17 or 18-year-old was called upon to serve, he had been handling weapons for years and would therefore need minimal further training. The government will always have weapons. They set up a nation with a minimal standing army, but it would soon become clear that a larger standing army and navy would be needed, and the citizenry must always be at least as well-equipped and as well-practiced as that military. The next clause, the security of a free state. In this context, makes more sense. The word security has so many different definitions today. Financial security, emotional security, security guards, and social security. In this case, however, the meaning is clearly all forms of defense against the physical security threats that a huge country, already larger than any of the nations of Europe, might encounter. The Second Amendment was to enable the civilian citizenry to provide for their own security from robbers and killers from other governments and our own. The, the gun rights debate often concentrates on self-defense, on target marksmanship, on hunting rights. But these went without saying in the founding era. The founders thought of these parts of that regular practice with firearms would provide that well-regulated militia that the nation would need. Um, okay, yes, I know, I know. I'm actually getting to that. I'm being reminded of the preamble of the, of the Bill of Rights. So, okay, I'll break away for a second here. Remember, my friends, the preamble of the Bill of Rights reads, the convention of a number of states having at the time of the adoption of the Constitution expressed a desire in order to prevent misconstruction or abuse of its powers that further declaratory and restrictive clauses should be added. Yes, right. Yes, and it's all found, like I said, all this idea is found in the preamble. It's true. But if we, back to this security of a free state concept. 
If we go out on weekends for target practice, if we go deer hunting during the season, all of this is just practice so that the militia is, in fact, well-regulated enough to provide for the security of a free state. That is the security that keeps the state free. Free of what? Well, of threats from without and within. Free of threats from enemy nations and from our own government. Remember, not all our states were free at the time of the War of Independence. If they all were, we would have had no such revolution. But Massachusetts had been under martial law for seven years. The Virginia territorial governor had dissolved the popularly elected House of Burgesses at Williamsburg. Our primary threats were seen as being from our own government, even more than from other governments. The founders rightly believed that only if the government knew that the people were better armed than they were, better armed than they were. So all this talk about, oh, well, you can't have military-grade weapons. We've got to have the military better armed than the citizenry. They're, they're, they've stood it on their heads, my friend. The founders wanted us better armed than the government so they would respect the rights of free people and keep it a free state. So in essence, guns in civilian hands make a state free. Guns only in government hands turn it into a police state, a tyranny. The next clause, the right of the people. That is, this is a right, not a privilege. The founders made it clear that the right of the people to be armed is not some generous frill to be granted or removed by law on the whim of a legislature, an executive, a judge, or a bureau rat. Since all the people make up the militia, all the people have this right. The founders intended for children to be raised in houses with guns so they are comfortable with weapons, so that they are already well-regulated. The second they reach the age at which they may be called upon to help secure their home, their neighborhood, or their nation. The next clause, to keep and bear arms. Notice that they said both to keep and to bear the founders encountered problems with shared armaments. The towns in which the townsfolks had armories that the territorial governors confiscated, leaving the people defenseless. The founders were therefore quite adamant that people should have their own guns in their own homes, both plenty of guns and plenty of ammunition. If on a typical typical suburban block, only a quarter of the homes are armed, then the founders would hope that this quarter would be very well armed so that they have enough to share with their neighbors if the need should arise. Since all the citizens of the neighborhood are potentially part of the militia, it's helpful for some residents to be gun collectors with a selection large enough to share. The very idea of any limit on the quantity of guns in a household or in the ammunition of stores or magazine use would be an unconscionable outrage to those who risk their lives that this nation could be free. So when you hear the news reports about some guy who has found his home and he had, he had 10,000 rounds of ammo for this and 100,000 rounds of ammo for that, 
It's just following what the, our founding fathers wanted us to be and to do. It should be. Oh, and he wrought, they entered his home and they found nothing. That's a shame. That's the way the article should be reading. But no, they focus on the one who has what the Constitution demands that they have, my friends. See, just there is no question that the framers intended for us to keep arms, it says also just as clearly that we may bear them. That means that we carry them with us, whether openly or concealed, whether at home or in public. The government must not force us to lock our guns in a safe place where we can't get at them. We must be able to reach them at need. Laws against concealed carry or open carry are therefore unconstitutional as well. And I will go one step further. Laws that mandate that you have to have a permit or permission from the government to carry concealed or openly are also unconstitutional. The framers knew that it was the knowledge that civilians are armed that keep those who might impinge our liberties in check. Just look at the crime statistics. States with open carry or concealed carry have fewer crimes and fewer assaults than states with neither. States with both open carry and concealed carry have the best of all. Chicago and Washington, D.C., cities with neither, well, this article is about three years old, my friends, so Washington, D.C. has changed a little bit, but I digress. They, they, uh, they have the worst crime statistics of all, and there's nothing surprising of this. Consider if a mugger looks at 30 people on a street, sees five with visible holsters, and knows that another 10 probably have their holsters hidden, he'll do the math and realize that hoping to guess which ones constitute the unarmed half are pretty poor odds, and eventually he'll choose a different line of work. This is the beauty of it. You don't have to be armed yourself to be protected by the concealed and open carry. The very knowledge that you might be among the armed protects you as well as your neighbor who is armed. As long as the local papers don't publish a list of one or the other so that criminals know who the house to rob and who's not to. And finally, shall not be infringed. After all this... Does this final part really need to be explained? Note that the Second Amendment names no specific party here. Many other amendments say Congress shall make no law. But just to be absolutely clear in their meaning, they left that part out on this one. In the Second Amendment, the framers allowed for no misunderstanding. Nobody can infringe upon the right of the people to keep and bear arms. Not Congress, not the executive branch, and not the judiciary. Nobody. As we have seen, the Second Amendment was among the ten conditions for the ratification of our constitutional government. We would have no Congress, no president, no courts if it weren't for the agreement to include a Bill of Rights that counted the right to be armed among them. This is among the plainest, clearest, most important of freedoms, and its importance is demonstrated daily as millions of crimes are averted or thwarted by Americans, by civilians practicing this right, and as millions of foreigners denied such rights by their governments abroad are tyrannized, unable to defend themselves. With the rape looms 
or rape rooms, excuse me, were the rape rooms of Saddam Hussein's Iraq, the killing fields of communist Cambodia, the holocaust of Hitler's Germany, the starvation camps of the Soviet Gulag. Would they have been possible without the prior disarming of their citizens? Never. It is the unlimited possession of firearms in the hands and homes of free citizens that keep a nation safe. And any attempt to restrict that right, whether by local, state, or federal authorities, is unconstitutional and illegal and must be nullified by other responsible government bodies to prevent the legitimacy of our form of government. There you go, my friends. Now, take any, any proposed or actually passed restriction on the Second Amendment and apply it to any one of the other rights enumerated within the Bill of Rights and watch people go absolutely and rightfully so bat crazy. They should be, and they, and they would. But all of a sudden, you talk about 